Hello, one and all. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is the 8th of November, 2023, and it is a Wednesday, and that means it is a manga day, even though none of the manga we talk about tend to come out on Wednesdays, basically. But Uh it's still a manga day. Aren't we all lucky for that? Yeah, and remember, remember, the 8th of November. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's 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 what it is that's yes. the catchphrase yeah that's the line yeah and that uh famous and that famous media franchise uh f for vendetta mm-hmm. it's actually eight for vendetta uh and then its sequel series where they eight turns on its side and it's an <laughs> infinity symbol infinity for vendetta uh that's where it goes to space <laughs> Imagine if that if that line where it's like, you know, behind this mask is an idea and ideas are bulletproof. Instead, he was like, behind this mask is an eight. And an eight <laughs> when you turn on his side is infinite. You've shot me multiple times, so I will fall over to the side. But little do you know, an eight on its side is infinite. Do you think, does, does that movie hold up? I don't know. It has been, oh my God, it's been closer to 20 years than 10 since i've seen that movie so. I, I don't think i've seen the full thing since it was in theaters um but as i think back on it i'm like i think i liked it less after originally seeing it like when i saw it in theaters it's like this is the coolest thing in the world mm-hmm. uh and then later on i liked it less and now i wonder if it holds up at all like i'm, right. I'm wondering if i'd like it a little bit more or not i don't know i do i do definitely think that for the peer group that i hung out with it was very much a i'm 13 and this is deep kind of appreciate exactly so you know it's hard to tell with that kind of thing some of the stuff from that period in our lives it turns out was actually just very well made uh and some of it uh was just because it appealed to the person in all of us who also wanted to have superpowers that involved throwing knives uh which was all of us so (laughs) That's who we all envied now, uh, nowadays. Uh, but, you know, we can't all be um, trying to think of like a famous knife throwing. Knifey Johnson. Knifey Johnson. We can't all be Knifey Johnson. <laughs> Not to be confused with uh, Hambo Jackson. <laughs> no, two different. Yeah. <laughs> Knifey Johnson and Hambo Jackson are actually in, uh, mortal enemies. They cannot stand each other. <laughs> they can't be in the same room. Yeah, never catch me with those knives, God damn it! Gonna this Knifey Johnson also do like an unrelated performance art? <laughs> yeah, he um <laughs> does a one is a one man jug band or something. Have you, have you ever seen the uh, the video where it's a guy says, hit it, Joe, and then it like cuts to this guy playing like a piano with like a thousand instruments inside yes. of him? Yeah, yeah, that's what he plays. He's, he, he plays the hit it, Joe <laughs> piano. <laughs> <laughs> he, he plays the hit it, Joe. I couldn't, I wasn't sure for a second if you were talking about he plays that instrument in that video or he's the guy who tells Joe <laughs> to hit it. <laughs> Yeah, hit it, Joe. And while Joe's doing the music, he just he just throws knives at them. Like you can't resist the rhythm. I'm going wild here. <laughs> oh man, I don't know 
if there is anything in the manga this week that matches this kind of weird topic, but I kind of hope that there is because I can't remember much of what happens this week. It's it's weird. It's like there is a veil over my me- manga memory. I read I read some other manga this week. Thank goodness beyond the stuff we're going to talk about today. <laughs> it's uh, it's the curse of November is affecting you at this point. That's, that's I, I, think, I think it is. It turns out that the curse of October is actually a good thing. Um, yeah, between a bunch of stuff being off and, uh, some other stuff, um, yeah, there's, uh, an odd batch we've got today, because we got no, to begin with, no My Hero, uh, this week. We're going to be starting off with Undead Unluck, uh, and it's, it's chapter number 182, Sunspot. Yeah, everyone's favorite X-Men character. Yeah, because, you know, he just, like, constantly builds energy if you... Right, and that's how he works. Right, uh, I I don't know. Oh, sunspot. I don't know if I've ever actually read a sunspot comic. Uh, I, I was saying there for a moment. I was like, I mean, he is considered to be powerful. I don't, oh, the Marvel Snap card. I get it. Uh, I had to sadly announce that I. You know what? This is for a different time. We'll talk about it later. Instead, we're going okay. to talk about Undead Unluck number one eighty two sunspot. As you said last time. Foucault used move to enter into this, uh, you know, sort of break between worlds. And she found uh, the evil round table uh, where all the master rules are. So she starts by basically being like, all right, I've gotten this opportunity because of Andy. I'm not going to let this pass by me. I'm going to find out here now a hint leading to Andy's whereabouts. And she pulls out her guns and she just lets it rip. She just starts firing bullets at every one of the members of the round table and all and the all bullets of them fall dead. They've been shot in the head. And <laughs> yeah. uh, then meteors fall from the sky and crush them all. Yeah. And, uh, end of series. We did it. We defeated F- the bad guys. <laughs> Fuko did it. All of them are dead and it's done. Uh, no, all of the bullets instead stop right in front of their faces. Or as Fuko notes, they stopped. No, but maybe something else is happening instead. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, so... Someone just says, this is a first. No negator has ever set foot here. Welcome to the master room. And we get a more close-up sort of look at these characters we were introduced to last week. And their very wide variety of designs. Mm -hmm. uh, Which is very amusing to me because the most boring member of the group is the one who is uh, doing the actual talking in this chapter. Like the person who has... The most boring one is number one, which I guess. Yeah, he has a very standard design. Like everyone else is like, hey, I'm a like a, a fucking soldier whose face has been like ripped apart or I'm like a, a quirky old gentleman or I'm a nun. And then it's just like I'm a dude with hair. Uh, so I believe he's the one talking as he's the one who handles the majority of the talking in this chapter. Um, but he's just like, oh, OK, move must have opened up this door for you. Move's pretty. uh you know, spontaneous. So I, it's kind of an issue, but you know, that aside, uh, everyone starts taking this opportunity to shit on sick. They're like, Hey sick, why did you, you suck? suck? <laughs> Everyone's like, we knew he'd suck. We all knew he'd lose. Uh, uh someone shouts, you played around too much. Your rule takes too long. And Fuku just thinks to herself like, okay, I can't waste time here. 
move could send me back at any moment, so I need this opportunity to gather intel. And in that moment, this character who I'll just refer to as number one because we don't know what their role is yet, and it's not even revealed throughout this chapter, uh, they kind of like leap from their spot across the table and stand right in front of Fuko. And he has a very intense kind of look, and he's like, why did you attack us? And Fuko's like, ah, here he is. And he's like, no, this is a problem. After all, you are the final first seat, the final looper. We are in the home stretch of this big game. And picking a fight with us now, we would just obliterate you. It'd be super anticlimactic. I mean, we don't mind killing you and just replacing you with someone else who played ball, you know? And Fuko just says, you know, you all scoff at sick and call him weak, but he was strong. Like, we, we probably would have lost if it weren't for help arriving. So it got me wondering, why has a group that's as strong as all of you not launched any attacks at us? Why have you all just sat here? And the only answer is because you 10 high-ranking rules can only attack us by the way of quests. You need to be a quest target for it to happen. And that's why I shot you. I stood to gain from it. Now I know our attacks won't connect with any of you because... We basically need to be in a quest for that to happen at this point. And they are prevented from crossing paths except in limited interactions. Yeah. It's the rules of engagement. So uh, number one is just like, ah, I see. Is that what your read is? Uh, well, you know, we could just be lazy, actually. <laughs> and Fook was like, that would be even better. <laughs> like, then my unluck would just killed all of you in this moment right now, and Victor would be ours. I, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case, but if you had all been lazy, that would have been great. I want to just stress to people that here is Fuko, a uh, cute hoodie girl, smiling serenely while she says, yeah, it would have been great if I had just shot all 10 of you in the head. Because, uh, <laughs> like, I know we all have, like, over this past calendar year, have been loving, like, oh, yeah, cool, like, protagonist Fuko is, is great and everything, but it's like, also... She's very frightening if you look at it in the right context. <laughs> yes. Uh, number one just goes like, hey, guys, I like this girl. She's completely fucking crazy. <laughs> She's not playing at all like her predecessor. This is awesome. I like you. I think I'll give you a reward. Uh, the number two person at the table, the, the woman who has like the DNA strands in her hair. Again, we can presume a couple guesses at what her identity is, but it's not revealed here. So we're just going to call her number two. Uh, she interrupts and is like, why are you getting attached? She's just a vessel. Or what? Are you, like, into her? And number one, just ignores her. <laughs> it's just like, hey, go ahead and ask me any question you want. I'll tell you one thing about anything you want to know. Um, there's a brief intersection here where uh, the nun character is told that she reeks of blood and guts. And she gets very upset about it. And she turns to, like, the young a child-looking character and refers to them as Dear Lucky. So perhaps that character is Luck. Hmm. That's maybe their rule. It might just be a nickname, so I don't want to 100% oh. guess to that. But it, it is would be interesting if one of the these people that they've got to deal with is their opposite in, hmm. in some way. Uh, but number one, it's just like, oh, sorry, everyone here is kind of annoying. You can ask your one thing, though, now. And Foucault says, Tell me the whereabouts of Andy, of Undead. And it does seem to kind of surprise number one a bit. And a couple of people at the tables comment on it. They're like, ah, oh, man, we didn't want to tell her this. We were we were just finally starting to weaken it. But you offered. So you have to honor the rules. 
number one's like, okay, that's fine. Your earlier theory about everything is half right and half wrong. The fact that we can only act during quests isn't really like a fault of the system. It's because Undead is using his soul to hold us back. And Fuko's like, hold you back? What do you mean? How? Where? And he's like, have you ever seen a sunspot? This like dark visible area on the sun due to like the temperatures and everything like that. She's like, yeah, that's undead. Right now he is on the sun and we get a shot of. Now you might think that there's a scientific explanation for this, but no, <laughs> no, it is an immortal guy hanging out on the surface of the sun. <laughs> I assume in a, a blindingly painful situation, uh, but he's very cool with it. He says, uh, yep, right now he's on the sun. We see Andy there. We see him having just shot his little finger towards Earth presumably is the way to get his clone there for a little bit. Uh, and number one continues. He says, this place is inside the sun. And thanks to his soul, we can't get out. Unless we are mandatorily teleported for a quest, basically. He's doing it specifically to keep us from matching with you guys. Like, didn't you wonder? Like, you passed on so many quests and yet we never appeared, right? So we've stayed here for hundreds of millions of years, but it's only been in the past 200 years that we got an opening, which is why Sick, the weakest of all of us, is the one who managed to get out. But by doing his little act of sending that clone down to the earth to help you guys out, he stretched himself a bit too thin. So now another one of us will be available to show up during the quests. You chat with it. You chatted with him for a little bit, didn't you? Did he ask you to save him? He made a clone to tell you, and Fuko's just like, nope. If him reaching out this time held any message at all, it could only be, leave things here to me while you kick ass. And as Fuko says that, UMA Move has created the the opening so you can see the rest of her friends, and she starts just walking out of the master room. And we finish with number one, just looking on, saying, okay, I hope so. We end the chapter with Fuko reuniting with the rest of Union and thinking that Andy has been buying his time this whole time. And he's enduring, you know, all of this basically due to how much he believes in us. So it's all good, Andy. You're like, we're going to definitely do this. This time you afforded us this chance. We are going to make use of it. And I swear... We will negate those 10 and make it up to you. And she ends the chapter by saying, heh, sick. Well then, bring it on. Yeah. Sick. <laughs> wicked sick. Wicked sick. Everyone's boss said, oh, wicked piss how sick this is. Um, there's some cool stuff in this chapter. One thing I like <laughs> is that like six looks like he's just dead. There's so many cool panels where because he's been split in half, like one side will be like hanging up and then the other half is like slumped over. It's very like brutal to look at, but also very cool. Um, I can't say anyone in this group stuck out a ton. Like there's definitely some cool designs and there, again, there are great theories to what all these characters could be. I've heard that like the guy in the soldier uniform could be war and like, Oh, maybe this character is like faith or something like that. Like all these different concepts. The one girl mm -hmm. looks like she has like a tower on her head. So maybe she's language or something like that or communication, yeah. something. I mean, who knows? Like, I, I'm just thinking the tower of Babel. She'll also be like hierarchy. Right, right. Who knows? They, like there could be a lot of different things here. 
I'm very curious to see them. They have cool designs. No one's personality or anything stuck out to me yeah. yet. So I'll say that. Um, but this was a cool confrontation. As I said, it's weird that like the least interesting design is the one that we got to see communicated yeah. with this time. But I also get it. He's also the one that you can like, you can make popular. I like little freaks and not everyone does. Mm. It does remind me of like uh, when we were introduced to the the Espada, like the, the, the table of the 10 of them and stuff. You didn't know their rankings mm-hmm. uh, in, in that shot. Um, they all revealed them independently. But I do remember a thing. I was like, oh, I hope that I, I do hope that, that lazy guy is, is, is number one because he seems like really interesting and stuff. And it's like it's nice that, you know, that that was just the case and they didn't do anything afterwards to indicate it's like oh no actually the actual number one seed is this guy because that would have been stupid yeah um <laughs> thankfully the numbers we were introduced to the mat was the final co- uh, confirmation of everything yeah uh the only member of this table that we've really gotten to see beyond sick is number one because everyone else we get like what pat we're gonna get to show yeah. s- some personality at best uh a lot of them don't even talk yeah, yeah, I was say I don't think the knight character and the the kid reading the book and the, or the like the, the guy wearing the pelt. Guy. Yeah, yeah. The pelt uh, guy, I think, is one of the two that interrupts about like ah, we thought what like Andy was like. I can't believe we had to reveal all this because we were so close to like getting through or whatever. I think he's one of the two. Oh yeah, he that. does. He does. Uh, yeah, talk about it. And so is the war guy. But okay. yeah, like it's still as you said, there's several who don't say anything. Tiny little things. Yeah, uh, but. Despite all that, it's like, okay, we get, you know, number one, having this full conversation with Fuko. And, you know, whenever there's one of these evil council groups, my point is that there usually is actually some point where it's revealed that actually this person is actually the leader of the group. <laughs> you know, whether it be, uh, you know, oh, Yavi is actually the strongest Espada asterisk. Or uh, it turns out that the real leader of the Akatsuki was actually Toby because he's not Toby the whole time, etc. And this time we kind of think it's like, Kind of wish I kind of hope that there is just like a different leader of this of this table than this boring guy. <laughs> he might be cool once we find out his role. I heard I've heard a lot of theories. He might be death, and like maybe there's just like a cooler design for him at some point. Uh, I should also correct myself. The DNA lady is number three. I said number two earlier. I just, right, right, I was right. trying to look at the Roman numeral and it didn't seem that close. But yeah, I don't know. It's weird when you like specifically have a hierarchy of numbers. But yeah, it would be cool if they were like actually the knight's the leader. <laughs> The knight with, like, the one glowing eye. Why is he the leader? I don't know. You know. It's creepy. He just likes that sitting over there. Yeah. <laughs> His favorite number is eight. Why would... You gonna stop him? You gonna tell him no? Fuck you. You get... You can turn it on its side and it's infinite. Oh, you guys are like, you guys have like Roman numerals. So no, sure. <laughs> you shut your whore mouth. Uh, otherwise, I think this is really cool. This is like a cool introduction to like this group. And we get to see these designs. And I'm like, ooh, who's going to be the next member out of there? I'm just curious to know more about these characters. So right. in that way, really cool. Um, the Andy thing feels like a, a, a rewrite. Because I do recall early on. Fuku had made some mention of like, oh, Andy's off actually searching for artifacts. And there was like a shot of like yeah. a person riding like uh, a camel in the desert. Um, so she just doesn't know. I guess is the answer. She's like, that's what I thought he was doing. Turns out he's sitting Maybe. on the sun protecting us from getting killed by master rules. 
Or maybe he's just the cage and looking around like, nope, no, nope, no artifacts up here. Yeah, this is a much everything is and everything is still on fire. Yeah. This is a much cooler idea for what he's doing. So I'm yes. perfectly fine with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this is a cool chapter overall. Um, we're gonna see. I, I talked to Nick briefly about this earlier, but this is a, sort of a weird week of manga, so this might it be is. one of the best chapters as well. Uh. Let's let's uh, keep that ball rolling with Bubba Blue Box. Mm-hmm. It's chapter number one hundred twenty-four. Great to hear. Uh, and immediately, like we just kind of like move ahead a little bit uh, from where we were last time, following uh, Taiki's match with Haruto. Uh, just like, oh yeah, it's it's spring now, and soon we're gonna have the qualifiers for nationals. But first, it's time for the high school sports festival. Uh, look, an E-series that is set in high school and lasts long enough will eventually do a sports festival arc. It is inevitable. Uh, and uh, we do get this just kind of like collage shot of like, you know, all, all of the, you know, main cast, like, you know, wearing the colored headbands and competing in events. I do really like the shot in there of Chinatsu just tightening her headband <laughs> in the back. It's 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 cute. She's yeah. making a funny expression. Did they do one for the previous year? I don't even remember if I'm like did. vaguely feeling like they did, but I can't remember it at all. Yeah, I don't think it was particularly noteworthy if they did do yeah. it. So, uh, all of the class A teams, uh, in each year are part of the red team, and that, of course, includes like Taiki and uh, Nikyo and Ayame and 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 Hina, uh, and also uh, Nishida, but they'll you know they'll outweigh him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> every every team needs its uh its dead weight yeah. and uh so they're like all right we're, we're gonna do this because ruling the sports festival means ruling the school and more than anything the grand fr- prize is ama special sports festival limited time only delicious yakisoba bread to eat it we must win and hey that's a good way to get high school kids motivated so there's a special tasty treat you only get it if you win let's go get that bread hell yeah uh, so they're all set for that. Hina and Ayame are, and Ayame's, uh, Hina and Ayame and Hina's friend are part of the cheerleading squad, which it kind of feels a little bit like, Hina, you're, you're on the, ac- you're on the gy- gymnast. You're you, an you athlete. Sport? You should you be sports? out here doing athlete things. It's like no, I just dance. It's a, it's nothing. It doesn't require any like, athletic gy- ability. I like gymnastics, gymnastics is one of the most demanding sports out there. What do you? Incredibly, <laughs> requires incredible mastery of your own body's abilities. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I'm not doing sprinting though. Fuck that shit. Yep. Uh, Ayame, um, it's like, hey, let's take a photo together to 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 remember this event, and so they all get in and uh. Kyo is like right next to Ayame when he makes a remark about it. And so Ayame says like, uh, Hina, get closer. And she <laughs> butts in so that he kind of has to back off from her. It's kind of, it's cute. Cause it's like, oh, you know, Ayame's yeah. still flustered around him. But as a result of Hina having to jostle that way, Taiki has to like get dart out of the way. And so he's making a weird expression <laughs> when the photo gets taken. They're like, that's perfect. And Taiki's like, can I, can I can we can we retake that? I'm gonna post this. Don't post that. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> uh, 
they run into Haruto as well, uh, and uh, he, he greets them, you know, nicely because he now knows that Taiki is 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 his senpai now. And uh, they're like, "Oh, what what event are you participating in?" It's like, "Oh, just tug of war," but that's all. Yeah, I'm not into the whole working together like goofballs thing just because it's a special event. And then he happens to spot Hina, and he's like, "Oh, pardon my my rudeness." Oh, you're you're that upperclassman on the rhythmic gymnastics team. And like, oh wow. Yeah. It's like he's like, I, I it's amazing that you knew that. You didn't even know that I'm a second year and we're in the same club. And Haruto pauses a second and then <laughs> I will give him points for honesty. He, he just says, says the like, quiet part out loud. <laughs> yeah, he does. He just says, like, yeah, it's just <laughs> I mean, he could have said it worse, but he says it's because those skin tight outfits she wears caught my attention. <laughs> No one else is was no one else is willing to say that, but <laughs> it's it it is very much like this is the furthest we're gonna let a character be like a creep in this series, which I'm very thankful for. There hasn't been like some like deeply unnerving. Oh, yeah. Like even Matsuoka, who was meant to be like an asshole with like bad qualities, was never just like a leering perv or anything like that. No, it's just, it being, just like, like she's she's Chinatsu is cool and cute, so I want to go out with her. Yeah, <laughs> he's just like uh, you caught my attention because of the outfits you wear, <laughs> and. I don't know. It's just very silly, Aruto. I like that he paused and was like, "He thought yeah, about I'm it." I'm going to say this. This is the right call. <laughs> uh, so immediately, Taiki and Kira are like, "We're sorry about him. We're sorry." <laughs> I will say this about Aruto: he's an honest boy. He is. I, I'm like, this guy has not lied really in any of his appearances. He just says what's on his mind at every point in time. <laughs> That's a problem. But I do appreciate that he's honest. He, he's also really writing the line. Yeah, he could have he could have said what he said worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see that Chinatsu is leading the blue team because she's on a different team from our red team folks uh, to a big lead in the beanbag toss because, you know, she's the basketball ace. <laughs> Bless you. And thank you. And of course, the beanbag toss thing is basically just basketball, but with beanbags. So they take a huge lead with that uh and uh akari is on the red team representing this and and they're like oh man we we don't have very good arm strength in this but 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 uh, taiki calls out to his to his kohai is like hey you can do it and she goes oh uh, it's worth noting i don't know if he is he is specifically calling out to her or just saying it to like the team, the team in general and she hears it and is like Oh, because he's cheering for us, I'm going to do it. That's how I read it more than he was specifically calling to her. But that I might just have been reading it wrong. I, I mean, there's no real indication, I think, from the layout of the panels to really make that call. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Akari definitely takes it that way because yes. she's like, oh, let's do it. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, she's so, like, let's go red team. Yeah. Uh, it's time for the three-legged race. Taiki is participating in it. And on another team is Matsuoka. And uh, he's like, I'm not going to come up short against you this time. And uh, so they're like, all right, well, let's do it. And uh, immediately Matsuoka falls behind because his partner is not pulling his weight. And he says, and I quote, why are you skipping? Which is, <laughs> yeah, because yes, yeah. that is not how you do a three-legged race. Just like, just hop. Let's just hop. Yeah, because the other guy's going like, one, two, one, two. And it's like, no, just run. And just run. 
Uh, and uh, Ayame, even though she's on the red team, calls out and cheers for Matsuoka. And if someone else in the red team is like, Matsuoka's on the opposing team. And she's like, yeah, but he's so far behind. I, I feel bad. I want to cheer for him. And so some of the other people like look at each other like, do you have a thing for it? And she's like, no, what, 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 no. what? No. And they're like, but you gave him special chocolates on Valentine's Day. Different from everyone else's. So, you know, maybe. And, you know, the Batman team's like been talking about it. And I, this is so cute. Ayame's like, the Batman team's been talking about it. She immediately looks right at Kyo. And then she's like, oh, fucking people and their rumors spreading. So very self-conscious uh three-legged race nearly gets uh ended uh and taiki uh is like kind of looking into the crowd and uh gets distracted from people calling him inamata senpai <laughs> this dork uh chinatsu is is watching things and she's you know, like oh yeah yeah there's my there's my man and haru just right up to her yeah her, your boyfriend sure is popular <laughs> it's like why would you say he's my boyfriend and uh he says look i didn't hear it from karen or anything but i can tell i can tell just by looking at you and just like but well, we're trying to keep it a secret and harry's like why still people you're going out and johnson just says eh, it's complicated because, of course, Haru doesn't know that they're living together. Yeah. So. Which is also a fact most people don't know. There's just a handful. Most people don't. And I, I'm trying to even think who does actually know that. I think Kyo knows. But Kyo he also knows they're knows. dating. Yeah. I think I'm just Karen, trying to... I think Karen might know. Karen does. But that, yeah. She also knows they're dating. Like I'm trying to think of who yes. knows that they live together that don't know that they're dating. Their families. Yeah. Hina? Uh, Does, is Hina the only one, really? I Yeah, she found out about it. Yeah. Uh, and now, and she also knows that they're going out. Yeah, but now, yeah, now, now she knows. So I don't, I don't think there's anyone who specifically knows that they're dating. that, Or anyone that knows that they live together that don't know that she's dating. I don't know why my brain works this process. And so few people know that they're dating, that Haru's the only one who knows they're dating and doesn't know they're living together. So. Yes. But fortunately, Haru is cool, so Chiyasu just says it's complicated, and he's like, all right, sure, and just accepts that. But he brings up the fact of, hey, but are you okay with, like, no one knowing you're dating? And Chiyasu's confused by this at first, but he says, like, I mean, look, Taiki's a good guy. He's been making his way up in the Batman club lately. He's adored by his juniors. So if you hide the fact that you two are going out, Girls are going to start to think that he's available and they're going to come for him. And I do like Chinatsu's expression because it is a cross between suspicious, protective and confused. Yeah. Because she's, That is a great eyebrow, eyebrow quirk. That's one of the facial expressions I pride myself on. And she's mm, yeah, she, giving a good one. She, she, she has a very <laughs> great expression in that moment. So now Chinatsu's like, did you just come to tell me this to mess with me? And Haru's like, yes, I did. Absolutely. 100%. (laughs) But he also flat out, or rather, Chinatsu goes on to say, like, look, I do have mixed feelings about it. But I think it's good that, you know, like, 
he's looked up to. Uh, and Harry's like, okay, but you know, if you need me for anything, I'm here to listen to you. Uh, also, if I'm going to beat him and feel good about it, I'd rather do it when he's at the top of his game. Mm-hmm. So he goes off and she just is like, oh, Haru likes Taiki too. <laughs> yeah. It's nice for her because she gets to see that all these people like her boyfriend. She's just like, mm-hmm. everyone loves him. This is so great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taiki's team uh, wins the race. Hooray. Uh, and then Shinatsu looks around and is like, yeah, it's great to hear. Hmm. As his girlfriend. Mm hmm. Uh, shortly afterward, uh, so Akari and a friend of Akari's, like, I, I've got way less of a chance of remembering, of knowing this girl's name than I do Hina's friend. I'm, just, I'm pretty <laughs> sure her name's never been mentioned. Yeah, I think Hina's friend is Nina. Um, this character and, got and, and then there's, and then there's, there's their friend Pinta. Uh-huh. And. <laughs> Yeah, and then their third friend is Santa Maria. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and they like to go out together and commit genocide. And uh, <laughs> yeah, they do bad things when they're together. They're a group who keeps separated. <laughs> uh, so Akari and friend come up to Taiki, and Akari's friend is, is, is like, "Oh yeah, she was cheering really hard for you during the three-legged race. You did a really good job." Uh, and the, like the two of them kind of chat for a little bit, and then Akari's friend looks over, sees like a bunch of like different couples just hanging out with each other, and she's like, hey, "I got a question for you, Inamata Senpai. Are you seeing anyone right now?" Boom, boom, end the chapter. <laughs> this is actually kind of an interesting way to end the chapter because I am rather curious to find out. Like, I feel like there's going to be some level of like a misdirect. Someone could just drag him out of the conversation or something. But I mm-hmm. am curious to see like Taiki have to process how to respond to that because he's going to be like, yeah. um, yeah, no, yes, <laughs> no, but yes, but uh, no. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, obviously, we've seen like Akari hang out with her friends and they've said like, you know, Oh, you've got a crush on on Yunamata Senpai. Like they, everyone seems to think it's obvious and everything. So, the clear implication of this moment is supposed to be like, oh yeah, Kari's friend is trying to be a good wing woman. Uh-huh. Just like, he's like, hey, you're going out with someone. Yeah, uh, it would be kind of funny if she was like, yeah, I'm into you. Uh, can we just <laughs> this, the like one character in this entire series who is a girl and is just like, I'd like to go out with you. What do you say? <laughs> I, I think it's gonna be fun. Uh, this is a cute chapter again. Probably one of the better ones this week. It might end up being yeah. chapter of the week this week. I have no idea at this point, but it's definitely a contender. Uh, but Nick, but I would like to do some four D science. Uh, yeah. So something kind of unexpected happened this week, which was that. A new Dr. Stone limited series started up. And uh, when you brought up to me, you asked like, hey, should we talk about this? I believe your clarification was at first I was going to say no, but then I got to the end of the chapter. Uh, (laughs) I have have mixed thoughts on this chapter, as we'll kind of get to as we get into it. But I was not vibing particularly much with this chapter as I was going along. It was kind of like dr stone the third epilogue this this time a senku is not canon (laughs) and i was like uh i'm not really feeling this but the end was like something where i was like oh 
I'm intrigued. Like, I, this is like a development that is interesting. So I was like, okay, I'll probably keep reading it. Um, and it falls into this nebulous space of like, do we talk about it? Do we not? Uh, if it hadn't had that ending, I think I would have just skipped it. But with yeah. that ending, I was like, all right, you know, might as well. It's also not going to be um, regular. Like, this is a short right. series, but I, I don't know its exact schedule yet. I don't know if it's like nope. every other week or monthly. I have no idea. But that's why I place it up here with where the other like kind of random series go. Right. Or regular. And this chapter and presumably this mini series is going to be all about the idea that was thrown out in the finale of Dr. Stone of mastering time travel, because of course we can't save all the people who were lost during the great petrification event. If we don't go back in time and save those people who weren't petrified, uh, the astronauts, mm. uh, including Byakia Senku's father. And the chapter begins with a flashback to Senku in his youth. He's 10 years old. So at this point, he has met up with Taiju. Taiju helps him out with experiments and stuff. And Senku has just set up this antenna that they've brought up like on like Tokyo Tower or something like that. Maybe not Tokyo Tower. I don't know what Tokyo Tower actually looks like. It's a big <laughs> radio tower. Nick's like, uh, they, they set it up on a big thing. A big thing. Uh, and Senku just says like, all right, so I'm going to... If I ever master time travel, I'm going to future me is going to aim right here and shoot a message back via the time machine. That way, I'll know if it's possible literally right now, if I'll ever do it. Uh, and they set up and he and Taiji wait. And the moment of when I would have sent the message passes and nothing is received. So, you know, New Year rings in. Senku you know, goes home and, and he and Byakia sit down and have a meal and Byakia's having a big laugh about it. I was like, oh, you're such a, you're, well, you, you're, that's either a, the idea of a genius or a little snot-nosed dreamer. So he's, he's having, you know, good fun with this kid. But he, he tells him, like, you know, not to be down, even though Senku's saying, like, yeah, I guess the time machine's impossible. This is something that even Einstein couldn't do. But Byakia says, science is a way of marching forward. Do you think folks in the old days would have ever believed that humanity would one day reach the moon? The future's a closed box mystery to all. That's why humanity steps up to the challenge. That's what makes it all such a blast. And on that note, we get, you know, like a very brief recap of the series of like everyone was petrified by this massive cataclysmic event. Everyone awakened. Senku led the way for everyone being brought back. Uh, and, you know, science progressing and being bringing human civilization back uh, mm -hmm. until eventually one of the Y-Men was hanging out with them in a little capsule that they drew a funny face on. Yes. Uh, we cut, cut over to Zeno, uh, who says, all right, look, so we have this this as long as we have a Y-Man that is capable of producing the Petra beam, we could technically create we can create a time machine. And so a bunch of the world leaders are like, oh, this comes off as a half-baked fantasy. <laughs> and the Y-Man says, why is that conclusion drawn? Are you perhaps lacking in brain cells? <laughs> I, they, they should have been able to give like the robot like a sassy face for that panel. Like it has like a little like eyebrow crack. <laughs> like, are you perhaps lacking in brain cells? <laughs> uh, 
But Zeno says that the problem isn't the technology, it is the lack of energy. He says a single instance of time travel would require 1.21 exawatts, which is more energy than the entire human race has ever produced ever. <laughs> I was going to say, Nick, that sounds like a lot of energy. It's a lot. He clarifies that. Uh, meanwhile, they are like creating stuff still. They make robots. Mm-hmm. Cool. Also, they've made AI that seems dangerous uh, <laughs> for multiple reasons. The robots just go around to people. Would you like to buy this a- this ape? <laughs> oh no! We've invented an FTS. Ignore the shape of the thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> Why are they still ugly? Oh, my eyes are burning out. <laughs> uh. So this 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 is the big problem that they're facing is that they in order to create all of this stuff, they would they in order to get all this stuff, they'd be like, we need to like go to the freaking moon surface. And in order to, and there would be all this helium we could get there. Uh, a single rocket's worth of helium three would provide enough energy to power the entire United States for a year. Uh, so they're like, all right, we need to go to the moon get helium we need to get resources from other places like yeah but the budget the budget oh no we awakened all the people who are the bureaucrats we can't just do whatever we want anymore (laughs) so and they're like who would hold the rights to all this what nation would have all this and xena's getting really pissed off about it of course and uh gen's trying to calm down eventually they just like walk out of the meeting uh and xena says like look on paper Humanity is at the point where it's we built itself ourselves back up from the new world. We have the roadmap for scientifically sound tri- time travel already, and yet we're at this hurdle. Uh, and we see the big old machine that uh, Senku was working on at the end of the series, the thing that should theoretically help them with time travel. Uh, we're going to use mechanisms. it to save Ace from One Piece. <laughs> <laughs> that's priority uno buddy. uh they're like all right well we finished the time machine so he's like well these are the blueprints uh <laughs> we have not actually made the time machine but uh there is also something else going on uh and there's suddenly a bunch of people like burst in through the doors and they've got you know those like pops pop things what are they called party, party poppers Poppy, yeah Poppy yes and like, oh yeah, we it's, it's 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 a victory party for all of our hard work and the accomplishments we've made and stuff like that. And Senku's like, yeah, but I haven't actually made the time machine yet. <laughs> She's like, oh, no, 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 no. uh, and they they convince him that she's like, okay, come on, yeah, we 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 should have a little a little party. Uh, uh, Ryu Sweet says like, oh, it's good for keeping morale up. That's how you keep people energized. And Y Man is like, humanity functions in this manner. Like, I mean, you thought that freezing people in stone forever was going to be a way of helping them. So uh, just yes, yeah, just go along with us, please. <laughs> uh, and and Chrome has to think about it. He's like, huh, you know, we've hit a big milestone, and we're having this rap party. And then he remembers that he's promised something to Ruri, or he suggests something to Ruri, and he's like, oh, hey, you remember my promise about us finishing up this project? You want to get married? Uh, and Ruri gets very embarrassed, and she blushes, and she's like, okay, and they have to marry. They're married now. <laughs> it, 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 
it it took a bit. It, it took a couple times before we finally have like a post series Doctor Stone moment where Crumb's like, "Oh right, we should get married." Like a thing I promised you in the series itself. Uh, and yeah, it's like kind of like included in the party, and I do like the detail that like people are like dressed up for it, even if for some characters that just means like for the women they're just wearing like white versions of what yeah. they normally wear. Kohaku's wearing a white version of her normal dress. Uh what's her name? Chelsea? Was che- it? Che- 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 yeah, Chelsea is the Rocket little Chelsea. explorer lady. Right. So she says, Hey Senku, Chrome's married. Do you have any romantic interests, huh? I bet if it's gotta be either Kohaku or Luda, but which one, huh? And Senku's like, I don't get to just pick one of them like an object. It's a based good, good for you, Senku. <laughs> Um, so, and I do like that a bunch of people are like, did you just say sensible when it got about romance? It's like, God, what are you talking about? And so Kohaka's like, what? So you're saying that if I, if I wanted to, then we could get betrothed. Yeah, I'm not with the idea if you are. And so he's like, I don't have time for that. It's not my favorite moment. I do, uh, as you stand corrected, Black Endo made a point earlier that Senku could still be ace and still get married to somebody. I think it was more that just like Senku in love was always something he like, either deflected or used to get something he wanted. Right. <laughs> uh, which he still, I guess, technically does here. This is a throwaway line. This isn't him saying, like, I want to spend the rest of my life with you, Kaku. But it is one of these things that annoys me that I feel like there is just a push towards, like, everyone should be in a couple. Mm-hmm. Senku, be it's, in a couple. It's, um, the, it's that uh, good old heteronormativity of mainstream media creeping its way onto everything. Yeah. I mean, it's like Luna is also present for all this and she's, and she's like, she still can't work up the nerve. It's like, people are talking about romantic interest for Senku. It's like, just tell him you like him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And also, I mean, like this scene between Kohaku and Senku, it could just, it could be read as just banter between friends. It it should be. I think I was Kohaku's got a wry grin on her face during it. Yeah, but I'm not again. I'm probably being too harsh on it just because I was not feeling much throughout most of this chapter. So this is the point where I was just like, is this all it's going to be is like a bunch of like snapshots of stuff that we've either already done or should have been done in the last epilogue. And then like a quick moment of being like, hey, Senku, do you ever want to settle down or something like that? So I think it was just like the tone. It's it's honestly not that bad of a, a moment yeah. or anything like that. Uh, they finish up the ceremony like Jasper, uh, you know, help like kind of unites uh, Ruby and and Chrome, and he thinks about all the times I that the two of them shared. Am uh, truly impressed that you remembered his name. I I, I was gonna be like. Yeah, uh, Rory's dad yep. <laughs> shows up and weds them. It's also Gohaku's dad, I'll have you know. <laughs> I was going to say, Rory and Gohaku's dad shows up. I would that's never... his final form. That's his, <laughs> that's his ultimate digivolution. Yeah, that's what he needs to get a, a it's, step it's, beyond. It's, it's Gohaku's dad, Rory's dad, Kohaku and Rory's dad. <laughs> Oh wait, no! Didn't just say Jasper is a different character. Fuck! It's the other <laughs> male in that village. <laughs> Some other precious metal. I'm still, I'm still gonna give you all the props because I would have never in a million years pulled it. I would have been like, no, I don't think they ever named that character. 
I do not remember his name now. Then, if it's not, it yet. might just be Rory and Kaku's dad. I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up real quick though. <laughs> Going to the Doctor the Stone Wikia. I could tell you the name of Suika's dog, and I can't remember this guy. Uh, let's see, Kohaku. I'm gonna go to her page. It's gotta have like familiar Family. relations, right? right? right. Uh, Koku, Koku, K O K U Y O. All right, I was never gonna get that then. Kokyo. I would have never again. Let's just call him Jasper. Who's gonna take Jasper. this from us? <laughs> Jasper's dead. He, everyone say hi to new Jasper. Oh, no, Jasper. <laughs> I know that we mastered the immortal human technology, but he's dead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, he uh, fell into the ocean or something. <laughs> uh, there's a cute moment where. Uh, like they're all crying together and and why man who has been given a bow tie for the occasion I mean, says they why do the humans expel the eye water <laughs> um chrome all of a sudden gets a bit of it gets a moment of inspiration when he hears like get explaining why people cry in, in emotional moments and he's like Ugh. And Rory's like is something wrong no uh just kind of like I might have an idea and she's like you know, it's okay if you rush back to the lab. I understand. Aw, it's, it's cute. And they run to the lab together, still in their wedding gear. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he says, well, what if we, like, manage to slip something through here, back through time? And Zeno goes into some really heavy scientific mumbo-jumbo, and Senku summarizes it as... If what we can send back is either a piece of Ymat self or flashes of the Petra beam, equivalent to mo no more than an atomic particle. So incredibly, incredibly tiny stuff. Uh, they have, they briefly explain it. But uh, Zeno comes up with the idea and Sen could come up with the idea of like, well, but if we were to do this in a pattern that you could read with something that picked up the signals, then there might be hope. And immediately again, realize like, Oh, like with Morse code, we could send some sort of a message. So Chrome comes up with the idea of like, Oh, so if we all one day do master time travel, we should send a message back to ourselves at this point to let us know that it is possible. And so it's like, yeah, I did that once when I was a kid. <laughs> So, but they're like, yeah, we're at the point where we can at least, we at least have a device that could like pick this kind of thing up and read it now. Uh, and they hold like a massive event for this. They tell everyone about it. Uh, there's a nice moment where Manami, I think is her name. The reporter lady is, is, uh, um, reporting on the situation. So it's like, oh, isn't that nice that yeah. she, you know, got to like do her, what she wanted to do again. Uh, and so she's, she, they're holding a big press event for it, and they're like, all right, we're going to receive the signal now. So this is our chance to actually get it. We'll, we'll get it in Morse code, and we'll translate it in real time. Will we ever get it? And Senku takes the same post with the antenna that they have, just as he did when he was a kid. And they're like, they start receiving a signal. The, the, the antenna starts reacting. And they're like, oh, my God, we're getting some sort of reaction. We've gotten a message from someone in the future. And so they start translating it. And it says... Hello to you all, denizens of the past. My name is Byakuya Ishigami. 
Dun, dun, dun. Whoa. Uh, so this is why I was intrigued. Uh, I guess we should finish the, the, the actual chapter. There still is, I guess, yeah. two pages left. Everyone is shocked, Senku included. Chapter title is dropped to us. 1D, future message. And so I was like, what's going on? What, how Didn't Baki Ishigami die? What the hell? And and how is this possible? And Yurisu is like, yeah, we can make a time machine. <laughs> She's onwards for him. Uh, and Senku's like, that's right. It's time to get excited. But even though he is excited, he also looks like, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. Um. It's cool. I mean, this is uh, an intriguing little thing. Once they develop time travel, I suppose anything's on the table. Any character who you mm-hmm. thought was dead could potentially have survived. Although I guess the only characters who really ever died were the astronauts. I mean, everyone on Earth got petrified, and like some people were confirmed dead, but they suppose like theoretically this could be a whole thing. Right, but right. regardless, like just the idea of like getting some kind of closure with Byakuya and Senku is intriguing to me uh i felt like if you were going to tell another dr stone story this is the one i would yeah. most like to see be told uh so i'm I, i'm i'm in it as I said, like throughout most of this chapter i was kind of just like all right i get it it's fun seeing all these characters again some of them get to do the little quirks uh but that was the moment it's like okay i actually want to see where this goes now it i i feel like after this moment Senku would have like laid out a, a decree as you know, like the savior of the world and the science leader, and so saying it's like, all right, if anyone at all familiarly related to me has children, grandchildren, great grandchildren, none of them can be named Yakia. I'm, I'm laying this down. It's like none of that is like, oh, it's actually just a descendant of Senku. It's like, no, no, none of that's gonna happen. <laughs> Fuck that it's shit. either a, a past Yakia or no Yakia at all. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh god damn it world trigger <laughs> nick i can't believe you would take that tone with world trigger now come on let's I'm start that <laughs> let's start building our creator wrestler in chapter 238 the away mission test part 34 look i like creator wrestler creator things too but i like using them not watching <laughs> someone else use them <laughs> I, I i i do think for the interest of time we should not go through this entire chapter because no Quite honestly, a lot of it is just explaining the different mechanics to this creation machine where it's like, oh, hey, you can change its stats. You can do all these things. And they're like, oh, hey, wait, different characters have different try on limits. So like low Mm -hmm. users like Senku have a much different limit than characters like Chica. And then there's like, a oh, but every team has a universal budget that they can spend up to. Right. So there's so little... no one's going to, presumably no one's going to have an army of these larger than anyone else's. I think that they have to kind of jump to that conclusion. Yeah, they, they basically are like, OK, there's like a cost. We have to work around it. And then it just comes down to like, oh, hey, here are a couple different strategies. I guess the coolest part is that uh, on uh, is this co's team no uh no it's fuck i forget who's which character it's the team yuma's on it's Udagawa squad Udagawa. okay fuck's Udagawa. <laughs> shit whatever who cares <laughs> anyway they ask uh yuma what his thoughts rio. rio okay <laughs> don't i don't know who that is either uh so they they ask yuma and yuma gets to be like oh hey 
here's some insight from me. And I think actually the fact that like you could put multiple units on a map and people wouldn't know who, which one they'd be going against. And actually you could be like, oh, there's 30. And then there's like, you know, 20 crap ones, but five really strong ones, you know? Yeah. Uh, Emo basically comes up with the idea of like, yeah, people are going to be confused by all this new information. So we're just going to blitz everyone (laughs) (laughs) while they're trying to figure out what to do. Cause it's going to be a lot more information. These are all going to be people that like, it's not going to be familiar opponents for any of them. It's going to be like, Oh, look at this weirdly differently shaped thing. And while they're trying to figure that stuff out, we're just going to blitz them. Yeah. We could literally make like a bunch of all units that all have the exact same stats. But if we give them different appearances, people will think that they have different abilities and we'll take advantage of their confusion. That'll yes. be our strategy. And they're like, all right, cool. Yeah. We, we don't get to actually like see a whole bunch of different team member, like teams discuss this. It's just, uh, uh, Osama's squad and then Utagawa's squad. I know it's not Suwa Suwa squad, sorry. We just get to see them discuss it. So, in a way, I'm grateful we don't have to see, like, eight different teams be like, what if I put a a hat on my dude? That's that's a fun mechanic or something like that. There's no nonsense like that, but also just, like, no progress has been made in the World Trigger universe right now. We've just talked about how this mechanic works. And it's, uh, it's, we don't get a chapter next month either. No, and it's just this big, long thing of like, hey, check out the stats screen for this. And it's like, Ashihara, are you secretly making a World Trigger video game? No? Then stop this! <laughs> <laughs> it, this is absolutely a moment where you're like, oh, this is like really interesting information to put in the World Trigger tabletop role-playing game when it comes put out. Put this in Unmasked, the secret <laughs> the secret World Trigger data book, please. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll see. We'll pick back up with you in 2024, World Trigger. I, look, I know we were like, kind of predicting that this is going to happen anyway i didn't think that they're still going to be on the away mission test was going to take a cruel new form where it's like and this one will feature an even more different set of rules for them to have to get used to it doesn't help that there's like no satisfying conclusion to this payoff it's not interesting to watch the game get played either so even if there are like cool new robots or whatever new strategies you're just like I don't give a shit. I don't get to see it. Like I get to see a couple chippy characters react. And then someone's like, this was the end result at the end of the game. <laughs> this team won. It's isn't that cool. So. <sighs> but Nick, let's, let's, kick, Eden Zero. <laughs> let's kick this back up a notch by talking about Eden Zero. <laughs> Chapter 263 luna so last time uh the best luna, dude, we th- just talked about we talked about like there's like three different series we're talking about right now that have characters named luna <laughs> yeah uh but this one thankfully has the differentiated feature that there is uh the coolest new character of 2023 lightning law of course uh who looks very shocked at the start because he's like you turned my robots to water and uh laguna has the cool line of don't worry, I'm turning you into water next. A filthy puddle of mud, and he just throws a bunch of water at him. <laughs> um, Lightning Law, a uh, very cool character, says, uh, why do you think this is going to work? 
uh, and just electrocutes him. <laughs> and he says, my power the is... water that touched <laughs> He says, my power is electricity. <laughs> I hate this manga so much. What a fucking nothing line from a stupid character. <laughs> this He's... chapter of Eden Zero brought to you by the eight-year-olds that uh, Hero watched having a play fight while making this chapter. So, well, my power is electricity, so I zap your water. Well, but you're a robot, so my water short circuits you. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, as it continues, uh, Lightning Law is like, your power is hopelessly useless against me. And Laguna is like, no. And then splash more water. And he's like, water makes your circuits uh, short circuit. And you're like, are these robots not waterproof? Like... <laughs> Well, I mean, considering that they're not poison proof. Uh, yeah, I guess no. if, I guess if there's poison air or whatever. Yeah, it, they, they, their, their weaknesses are each other. But he's like, water conducts electricity, so I'm just going to electrocute you. And Laguna's like, oh, I guess it's a game of chicken then, so you can last the longest. And Lightning Law's like, it's me. Y your body can't handle it this long. <laughs> So, but what if I go Super Saiyan? Yeah, in, in a, a truly spectacular moment of again character writing, uh, Laguna says, "What if I just got stronger?" <laughs> and he, he ether drives, and he reveals his new form, which just looks like Juvia from Fairy Tale uh, with a different haircut. I, I, it's all I can see. <laughs> Uh, and I'm he is. Like, I didn't even make that connection, but yes, you're right. It is basically Juvia's code. Yes, and then he has ice powers now. Nick, why does he have ice powers? What it's is a more advanced form of water powers, Quinn? Come on, like... obviously. Next, when he goes to the next level beyond, he'll have steam powers. Clearly, it would. This stupid concept would almost work if, like. You had done something to be like, water's not going to do this. I need to change. Something in me needs to change. And you like, you're like, that's how it is. His water powers have changed. I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you okay. literally right now. Ever since I've been an actor, I have been putting on the emotions I thought that I was going, I was expected to show people. I haven't actually truly felt anything. My heart has been frozen. But now I will call upon that frozen heart to help me to protect the only thing I've ever felt any true feelings for, my friends. And then he uses ice powers. There. Uh, <laughs> as opposed to this version where he's like, I have ice powers now. <laughs> it's so funny. It's and just... if you put in five seconds of thought, you too can make this sequence more satisfying than as written. It's truly just a moment of hero being like, ah, man, kind of wish I could He's use gray. Now. I wish I could use gray again. Because <laughs> that's all it is. He just does. Did I not put a gray? Did I not put a gray XP in the series? Whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'll just give it to this guy. I'll just have this dude turn into him and his girlfriend. It's not even interesting. He makes a sword of ice and stabs lightning law through the chest. 
and Lightning Law's like, I'm being defeated. No, and he punches he punches Laguna and he's like, Ah, yes, I am strong. This is why I joined no, up. I am the winner. Yeah, this is why I joined up with Void, because humans are worthless and suck, and androids rule. There's no uh, peace between us possible. And the good is like, no, Shiki will make that fantasy a reality. And Lightning Law in his cool speech is like, no, human has that kind of power. But the good is like, no, he does. He's already made the fantasy a reality. At least he has on our ship. And if you would change the way you would look at things, there'd be no need for us to fight. Standing here, I realize... You were just like me. <laughs> Trying to make history. <laughs> Lightning Law's like, that's stupid. Uh, you suck. L- Laguna's like, fine, you had your chance. Uh, we're all about peace with robots. It's just a question of whether or not you have a heart. And he just cuts Lightning Law apart. And that's it. That's, that's how you make peace. <laughs> that's the conclusion of this fight. That's one of the Eurasian Six Galactica going down. Very Man, satisfying I'll and forget, cool. I'll never forget in Rocky Four when Rocky Balboa uh, took out his sword and cut Ivan Drago in, in a bunch of pieces and then turned to the crowd and went, if I can change, then you can change. <laughs> he kills Ivan Drago, hits his dismembered corpse on the ground, and then he starts this actually, It's actually all about peace. Everybody know here. We don't need to do this, Cobalt. We're all on the same side, everybody. This is, let's go, America. <laughs> Fuck, this is so goddamn stupid. Now, Nick, uh, we of course oh have to have our one-page look into the past, right? Oh, we're spoiled, Quinn. We don't have a one-page look into the past. We have a... Like, it's like multiple pages. What is this? Yeah, we have uh, three pages looking to something else happening. So we cut over to Zhao Mei, who's floating in space. Weirdly, we don't close in on her feet at any point. I was shocked. Yeah, it's truly a, a great sign of restraint. Uh, and uh, she's noting that the Eden Zero is going to explode in seven minutes. But if I know them, I bet they can find a way out of this mess. Or perhaps... They are doomed to become space dust. Who is this? Like, they literally note that there's someone she's talking to. And I still yes. don't. I'm like, you're not talking to. You're talking to one person. Like, who is this? I don't, Everything's stupid. Mother, the big giant floating space lady is like, no, I know they'll make it. I believe in them. They're the heroes who will save the cosmos. Thank you for guiding them all this way, Luna. And we're like, what? This character's name's Luna? My entire world's been upended. Uh, And she's like, no, in this world, I call myself Zhao Mei. Cool. Why why does she call, why is is she also named Luna, though? Why? Because she's mother. Uh And she's... Nick, come on. I can't fill in the blanks for you here. <laughs> okay. You got to uh, do okay. some work uh, on your uh, I I am going to put a pin in this. And just because I'm going to just be like, all right, I'm going to wait to hear Hero's explanation for why he decided that this character is also named Luna. Because you could very easily have just 
done this reveal of saying like, oh, Zhao Mei has a direct connection with Mother. They are on speaking terms with each other. Uh, you know, that would have been a big reveal. But the fact that they're like, Luna, are you referencing something? Has something named Luna been referred to in the past? Or is this a new thing? I feel like this is a new thing. Because I don't remember anything about a Luna up to this point at all. Like, there's no been no, like, oh, the mysterious Luna is the key or whatever, anything like that. I, I don't remember any allusions to that. I could sit here and try to, like, try to discuss what it is. The answer is not going to be satisfying. I, like, I, I can't sit here and just be like, 700 times on me. But 701, I'm going to figure this out. Like, maybe here I'll write something good this time. I just, it, I, I can't expect that to happen. There's things like, oh, she's Mother, uh, like Mother Earth, and she's the moon. But, like, I don't understand how you would, like, equate Mother to Mother Earth, because she's not, like, a localized planet. She's, like, quite literally the most isolated thing in all of reality. So, like, I just don't get what the connection is. I don't get why I'm supposed to give a shit. I don't get why we broke our stupid monotony of one page of flashback <laughs> to that have this random scene instead. It's this arc is like becoming infamously bad for me. <laughs> I've truly just reached a point where I'm like, I just want this to end. I, I think the fact that it's like supposed to be a cool moment that Laguna whose powers went from like, if you cry, you turn to water to actually I can control all water. And that was just a dumb gimmick I had to, now I control ice is just like a, a dumb evolution of a character's powers. I don't understand why we're spending time with it. So whatever. I guess the thought process is straight up the, the gray Juvia thing that he had Juvia's power set. Now he gets her costume, but then gets Gray's powers. But that's such a meta stupid trail of logic to follow. I don't understand why anyone would be like actually impressed by that or like enjoy that. Oh my god, that's actually right. So, <laughs> I, I, I did not clock that at all. Eerie Gray in the chat points out that when uh, Laguna does his overdrive, he's got an armband on his arm that reads G and J for Gray and Juvia. Oh. Who gives a shit? I don't... <laughs> I'm just like, I don't understand... At some point, I just had to realize I'm not the target audience for this. Here, maybe like people who are diehard hero fans are like losing their mind. Like this is so cool, and I'm trying to think like what my dirty equivalent would be to this. Uh, like I'm trying to think like, oh man, what if they do one of those Sonic games where like modern <laughs> Sonic meets past Sonic, but then there's like a weird situation where like modern Shadow meets classic Shadow who never existed. And I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, I'm losing my mind. I'm just like, I'm trying to think what dumb thing my stupid brain could care about that's supposed to be on this level. But right now I'm just not coming up with yeah. an example. But this if it's your deal, chapter, at the start of the year, I, I I said when we had to read Earth Child, and yes, I mean had to, um, that uh, it made me hate Shonen. Uh, this was kind of like a very micro example of that, where it's just like, look, it's just this Shonen battle thing that just very much engages with just really stupid Shonen tropes and stuff, but in such a way that I'm just like, oh, God, I don't like this. Wait, all that I read is this stuff. It <laughs> <laughs> made me feel really bad for a second. Okay. All right. I think we're through the worst of it now. Yes. I think. Okay. Let's move on into Cypher Academy. Chapter 47. Sometimes 
Even a Kappa gets hit by a stray bullet. Sure. I've got that tattooed on me, actually. Yeah. It's, it's a, like kind of a modern quote you just want to keep with you. I get it in uh, calligraphy and then I post it on my uh, my uh, my Instagram, like just like mm-hmm. with a, like a flower background to it. Sometimes even a cat pick gets hit by stray bullets. Hashtag inspiration. Hashtag love. And then like all the comments are like, oh, my God, this is the most insightful thing. I've ever heard. Too true. 17 hearts. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh. So, Iroha and company have run into a Marshal Mahjong forced encounter event. Uh, there are two people who are sitting there waiting for them. And Iroha's like, oh, Mahjong. Never really played Mahjong before, but he just takes the table. And he's like, this will be elementary. <laughs> puts on the confident face. <laughs> but he says, like, hey, look, you know, as long as someone advances, it doesn't matter who wins the game because you know one of us will keep on going for it it's still a win uh and they said like okay well you know like only four people can play mahjong so they look at uh ensa and uh, i haven't remembered i haven't memorized her name it's long uh they're they're like yeah we can't play with five people so what are you two gonna do and uh so they're like why don't you tell us the rules first and spy girl says okay in martial mahjong you use tiles that have hiragana, katakana, and kanji on them. So the different language sets. There are 45 different tiles for each type for all the Japanese syllables from A to N. A total of 135 different tiles are in the game, as well as one extra, the ha tile, or haku, uh, which can basically be a wild card tile. So like, okay, yeah, I get that. So... The Mahjong player is trying to use syllables instead of numbers. So in other words, you're not only like playing them into sets, but your runs are words. And so Ensa volunteers like, hey, can I go first? And she rolls up her sleeves and gets set to go. And so it's going to be Ensa and Iroha versus Karigane versus Hanagoromo. And so it's a big two-page spread with with all four of them taking the table. It's 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 nice. It's a cool-looking two-page spread. It's neat. Uh, and so we focus on Iroha's hand during the first play of this as he's and he's analyzing what he's got. Uh, he's like, okay, so I could do this. I could make the stuff with three syllables like this. He's analyzing his hand, and uh, he lays down a tile that he doesn't need, and. Hanagoromo analyzes what he does and then says, by the way, you can't take a tile and turn it sideways to make a different word. I I love it because it felt like it's like a little detail. Like, I know you want to. I know you exist in this way of trying to fuck the game up. Yeah. (laughs) So there was, oh, how'd you know I was going to do that? And uh, but they're like, okay, so and so they established like, okay, so there's like all these limitations of this game and stuff. And so some time goes by. Iroha gets to a point where he's like, okay, I I just need to attach something to these two tiles and I'll have all four of my melds. So it's just going to come down to whether they'll be drawn or if someone will discard them so that I can use them. Uh, But as he goes through, he sees that uh, a tile gets put down and he's like, oh man, I could have done this for like Kosuto, uh, you know, the japanization of the word cost uh, but he couldn't do it in that moment uh so 
Meanwhile, Nohime and Kagoe are watching and they're like, why isn't Hazaka trying to go out? And Kagoe says, well, because then it would have made his pinfu disappear. I don't know all the war rules to regular Mahjong. I'm just keeping up <laughs> with what's going on if you're not talking about the scoring. The scoring of Mahjong is the big thing that I don't get about it. <laughs> um, so he's trying to figure out, like, okay, should I declare this? No, I, I could switch it out with this draw. Uh, but when you discard something, immediately uh, Karigane declares Ron, which means that you're going out, you're completing your set with something that someone's just discarded. And immediately she's like, 24,000 points. So her score goes up 24,000. Irozaka loses that. And they only start with 30,000. So everyone's like, oh, shit. Uh, that's a huge loss for, for Iroha immediately. Uh, they equate it to, like, this is like if you, in the first round, you hit you hit the ball and you get 10 runs at the t- <laughs> immediately. Mm-hmm. Very big lead. Uh, so, but Ensa realizes something that's even beyond that, which is she actually, Iroha could not read her which is like his big thing is reading people's expressions. So that's bad. Uh, and immediately Karigane gets this kind of evil look on her face, but she's smiling pleasantly. And she says like, hey, be careful. Once you hit zero points, it's over. If you come in fourth place, you'll be banned from the metaverse for one year. And, and so it's like, wait, wait, what happened to the students who got here before we did? And Karigane says, I sent them home without a scratch on their bodies and she names them all too uh and Hanagoromo says like yeah uh nakigara never got here according to my research there's a student with that name that seems to have never existed in the first place okay <laughs> uh but kaigane says when you said earlier like it doesn't matter who wins the game it's still a win for us what a wonderful thought but my philosophy is different. Whether it's a war or a labyrinth, as long as you make it home alive, you've won. So the reason that she has joined the expedition is not to help them all. It is to make sure that everyone gets home safely, even if she has to defeat them on this floor and ban them from the, the metaverse so that they will be safe. It's pretty cool. It's nice. It's a, it's a cool, different antagonistic uh, approach. It's a, yeah, it's a different it's a different sort of philosophy. Uh, so Iroha realizes that she's just actually been acting as a gatekeeper. She hasn't been progressing on from this floor and she hasn't been waiting for people. She's just been like, I'm just going to stay here and send people back. Uh, and they're like, well, what do we do? Especially if like she's reading Iroha. He can't read her. What is this master detective actually seeing? And she's like, yeah, once I've sent all four of you home, then I'll just clear the dungeon for you. So she's even seeing as far ahead as getting rid of Koshibai, even though she's not participating in the hand. And then Koshibai also realizes, like, wait, all four of us? And Hanagoromo is like, yeah, she's been blocking me here, too. I'm sorry. We have not been teamed up. I've been stuck here. (laughs) I have been held hostage by this woman for a while now. So Iroha gets serious, takes out his hair tie and ties his hair back. And he's like, you know, I was convinced you were fanatic, but I guess you went easy on me during the murder mystery. So thanks. And Karigane says, no need to thank me. You're no match for me. So 
Hey, big setup for for our next uh, our next big matchup here. Yeah, uh, there's a level of just like I don't understand the rules to Bajong, mm-hmm. so I'm just going to continue reading. Uh, I do think that I had a small issue, which is just like Cipher Academy has done this trick a couple times, which is like here's a character who you haven't thought a lot of, but actually they're a super cool badass because we're like spending time with different characters now. So um, I'm in a place where I'm only able to like give so much also because like the like the sort of hole that exists in our philosophy is that like all of the best people are past her already. <laughs> so she's really only sort of weeding out the no name characters that I had no like connection to or anything like that. So it would have been maybe different if it, like she had revealed like, oh, I sent home like a character, you know, or something like that. Yeah. But I think they were just like essentially like the other class characters we didn't have any affection towards. Right. So the characters that we've already met and know are cool are still like in the battle. And those that we haven't met yet to learn how they're cool are just like, <laughs> we'll learn how they're cool later. <laughs> That's yeah, down the line. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. All right. It's time for Pink uh... Fiction. Kagurabachi chapter eight. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are you sighing? What's what's wrong, Quinn? What's wrong? Aren't you having a good time? <laughs> I I have been trying so much, but this is the chapter I was like, okay, maybe this series is done. Maybe it's a bad idea. <laughs> uh so last time we learned that there's gonna be a big auction event with the criminal underworld. There's gonna be swords there, swords to get and stuff. Uh, so Chihiro's thinking about that. Uh, Char is sleeping, and uh, then um, he now is uh, cleaning stuff up, I guess. And she's like, "Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll take care of things while you're out." And Chihiro leaves. Yep. Uh. We get our chapter title, Chapter 8, Norisaku Madoka, I Will Change. Yeah, you're going to change from alive to dead. Uh, so, Whoa, Nick. Spoilers for two pages from now. Uh, we get a character saying, my name is Norisaku Madoka. They call me Dharma. So he's the guy who was trying to blow up Char before and kidnap her and stuff. He's flat top guy, a.k.a. like the one villain character we've met that's easy to distinguish from the uh-huh. other. So thanks for killing him. Uh, so <laughs> he, after he got tortured by Mr. Shiba, uh, he was like, Hey, why didn't you go start a new life? He tried to kidnap a child. What are you doing? <laughs> First of all? I was, I was on board with this idea though. Just like, as the guy who was like way over his element Got, like, mm. kind of tortured, got his foot fucked up, and, like, kind of sits here now and realizes, like, oh, maybe I've kind of fucked things up. And I was just intrigued, because I was like, you know what? This is a cool move to, like, take, like, a no-name character. who Because, like, like, the other ones, like, I think he have died, more or less. Like, most of the other yes. sorcerers have just been killed. So, like, the character lives, you give them an opportunity, you could use them in a story. This is, like, a detail that Oda has used to, like, great success. Sure. All their authors. So, it's like, hey, we're going to take this character, do something cool with them. Uh, yeah, he's got a cool flat top and giant earrings, and he summons dharmas that blow up. You could very easily make him into a good supporting character with a distinct design like that. Yes, absolutely. So, Nick, well, let's see what they do with him. 
Uh, so Sheba, uh, he tells uh, Sheba about how, like, you know, like he was, you know, thrown out of his family because, you know, he's got bomb powers and everyone hates that about him. Uh, so, but she was like, hey, if you still feel that way about it, maybe it's not too late for you to change. Uh, and, and, and Norisaku reflects on this and he's like, you know, Mr. Sheba gave me an amazing piece of advice. So he calls up his sister and, uh, he's like, what do you want? He's like, yeah, we, look, I'm quitting. I'm not gonna be a sorcerer anymore and they're like what you think that makes everything okay no but i want to make things right and so she says have, have you called mom and he's like i i did try a bunch of times she didn't pick up because it's like the middle of the night so okay well why don't we go together and you can apologize to her in the morning i'll go with you and i'll pick you up and uh hey she comes to pick him up in the car and he's like hobbling out to meet her and he's like this is it you know i'm no longer dharma the sorcerer from this day forward, I'm going to change. He looks, turns to his sister and says, thanks for doing this. She's dead. She's dead in the driver's seat. She's been killed and gouged from behind. He looks in the back seat. There's an assassin there. He gets stabbed to the stomach. And he's like, what? No, my sister didn't do anything. Oh, man. There's a really generic looking assassin in the back with creepy eyes. He's like, uh, you didn't finish the job, so I kill you. These deaths are for you not finishing your work. And he's like, wait, you mean? mom oh no she didn't answer the phone because he killed her too so he tries to summon a dharma bomb to blow them both up uh but uh he uh freezes it with his uh stuff uh because he's got a he's got a special sword Ooh, special sword that freezes people so he stopped the he stopped the bomb and then he just cuts straight through the bomb and no, no, he doesn't cut through the bomb. Sorry, no, he, he's the source of the ice, so that the ice unmold, yeah. lets the bomb explode, but it just kills him. Yep. And his sister, yeah. And his sister. Cool. Uh, so <laughs> It's so stupid. I hate this shit so much. I understand what it's trying to do. Like, I understand it's trying to make this, like, antagonist seem cool. But, like, I just have such an innate annoyance to the idea of, like, giving this character family and a backstory suddenly just to immediately kill them and like again it's supposed to be ironic because he's like oh actually i didn't kill them uh they would have lived if you hadn't tried to explode everything so actually it's your fault all of this happens but it's just like again like a dumb detail like these these moments take like work to build up to like this could have been satisfying if like maybe we had had time to see this character on his path to being reformed and had like a built-up moment to this of like hey we get to see that he has this like troubled relationship and maybe after proving himself a little bit he has an opportunity to do it there's a reason why like when characters die in series like jujitsu kaisen for example uh it like hits hard because we have time to like get to know and like those characters right. but this is right. just a thing that's right. like Right. No, no one dies in Jujutsu Kaisen. You shut up. You sh sure. Nobody shut ever up. dies. You <laughs> shut up. Jupe, Jupe is still alive. Nick, don't worry about it. I, I don't know where the, the anime is at at this point, so I'm I'm, I'm going to go for the earliest possible death that's happened. Uh, but that's that's just the thing of like, it doesn't have any punch here. It's just like evil dude did an evil thing. Um and I'm like, it doesn't make me have any more affection for him as a character. This just feels like kind of lazy, clumsy writing that's trying to be edgy. Yep. Um, so then it turns out that... So the guy with the sorcery that makes you experience your trauma that Chihiro killed, turns out he had a brother. 
And uh, so he approaches Ice Katana Assassin Guy and says, I want you to kill the boy with the scar. And Ice Katana Assassin Guy says, sure. And then starts to draw his sword. And he's like, boy, I gave you the info. And he's like, it's for what comes next. I need blood pumping. And he grabs him. And somehow his hand is big enough that he, in one hand, grips the guy's wrist and his neck, like, uh-huh. all in one. So, you know, the guy uses those, you know, grip strengtheners a lot, presumably, because that's kind of crazy. Uh, but then, because of that, the guy activates his sorcery, which is, I guess, basically identical to his brother's, I think. Uh, so he experiences his trauma, which is, I'm so strong and I killed everyone. Because he's super interesting. So he's like, oh, that's fascinating sorcery. And kills him too. Cool. All right. (laughs) This guy is super dangerous because he killed these guys. All right. So he walks off and he goes straight into uh, the place where Chihiro and Char are staying. uh, And goes to kill uh, Hmm. He now, oh no, he killed those other people. So the character that we've come to care so much about because of her design hair buns. <laughs> uh, I mean, admittedly, he now's hair buns alone do give her a leg up on 80% of the characters in this series who all look the same. So uh, Jihiro blocks it with his sword. Uh, and it turns out, oh, he's got the cloud gouger. He's he's got it. Uh, and uh, so Jiro uh, uh, calls out like, oh, get out of here. And uh, Char wakes up from her nap and um, looks through the door at stuff that's happening. And Ice Assassin guy is like, I came this way so we could battle with two enchanted blades because even you coming to the auction where the swords would be would take too long for this manga. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, this is just a, a, a weird... I, I'm assuming this is meant to be the... I square up against this guy who everyone says is really strong and I like barely managed to just survive, not even defeat him. And thus, we'll have our showdown at a different point or something. I don't know. I. This is such a yeah. boring chapter. And this character who I was like kind of mildly interested in because there had been like a slow kind of build up to hierarchy for him just for him to show up and immediately do something that I just absolutely hate in this kind of fiction uh, immediately deflated it. Like I'm looking at this last panel. I'm like, what a boring little loser. What a like a dope. What a what a sap. Yeah. yeah, turns out this is the Sojo, the super the super ominous guy and stuff. But honestly, I didn't even beg that because like, oh, he's got hair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, feature. he's got hair. He also has these marks under his eyes. That's like kind of the other thing. He has sort of like uh, oh, would look he like bag, like like bags, but also like little spots. That's sort right. of like the identifying thing. Um, I'm not gonna say like oh, Kagorabachi to banish to the garbage realm or anything like that. I just want to note was not a fan of this chapter, so I'm really hoping the series can like bounce back in some way. But I do think Sojo might just be ruined at this point for me. I, I truly don't have any interest in this character. This is the way you're gonna build him up. Yeah. Uh so it was an interesting to see the author go, hey, look at this potentially interesting story idea. There it goes. It's in the trash. Goodbye. Uh <laughs> yeah. I let's move on. 
It's new sexist oh, time. What God. a relief. <laughs> How far away Chapter is One Piece? Uh, four more. Oh, <laughs> Chapter 25, the sixth branch. Hey, so Yajima is officially a captain of the new division. Hurrah. And so Suo talks to him outside and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, I just wanted to congratulate you on becoming a captain, Captain Yajima. And yet Gakuro's like, ah, ah, I'll be going now. And Suo's like, don't try and hide it. How did you find out? She was. <laughs> when the conversation happened, she was, if anything, one door away <laughs> when it happened. Yes, she found out. <laughs> she is at the school on duty at the place where you are assigned to be the captain of. Why are you surprised by this? Uh, oh, did you hear it through the grapevine? Like, no, I heard it through the fucking door. <laughs> and she says she's been assigned to his division, which makes sense and also is like, it's kind of a weird thing. It's like, hey, you know, she's this guy, this person that he was looking up to. She's like the, the more experienced. She's the senpai character. And now he kind of is her superior officer in a sense. So a potentially interesting weird dynamic there uh but knowing this series she'll just like go away for a while <laughs> but we'll see um gakuro gets the warning that like hey even though you're a captain we're not going to actually like give you captain's privileges and stuff she clearly says you're lower than a puppet for us uh so don't like start and uh one, I think it's the vice captain who's in the group is like, yeah, if you were a Nepo hire, then you might be full of unfounded confidence, but you're nothing but a pain in our butts. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, like, it's just, I mean, like, look, it's just the way of this world. If people just talk about how shitty Gakuro is, I guess. So. Um, It'd be great. He's, just, he's walking down the street past by an old lady. She's like, do you know you, you suck eggs? <laughs> Specifically eggs. <laughs> You know, go pound sand, you bitch. You're just yeah. like, Nana? <laughs> Listen, sonny, I hate that boy. <laughs> Such a little wiener. Oh, what a little dork. What a little nerd. <laughs> I hate him so much. Many talks about how his dad did all the time. <laughs> They're like, and you, ma'am, you want all of this in the will? It's <laughs> <laughs> like... Look, we'll get to my last one in Testament eventually. <laughs> and word for word, business to do. Word for word, I got should turn my grand, should talk my grandson a little more. His big stupid hair. Why has he got a little shadow in it? <laughs> uh, so Gakro has just concluded from all this that oh, being a captain sucks, and like, I mean, I don't really blame him because uh, he's been told it sucks by everyone. So. Uh-huh. Uh, also, however, there is a little, little barracks that is just outside the school building. So Suo grabs him by the wrist. Is like, oh, let's go and check it out. As it so happens, Shiroha is just there. Like, there's, there's like, there's not really an establishing shot for her. It's just like, oh, she's there when they run by her, essentially. Uh, and she thinks right before they show up, like, oh, I should go get Yajima so we can go take a look at it. And instead, she sees Suo pulling Gakuro along by by the wrist. And kind of looks between them for a second, then follows them from behind quietly. Uh, 
And so it's, you know, it's continuing the thing of like, there's something going on between Shiroha and Gakura, blah, 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 blah. Uh, they open the door and there is a giant friendly spider in there. And I will not lie, between this and a lot of the newer series being terrible, new new sexist went up a little bit in my book this <laughs> week. I don't, this chapter in and of itself is not very good, but if they're going to have a cool giant spider companion for the rest of this series it's like all right i'll take it i mean if we're, if we're gonna get excellence we might as well get it mm. uh yeah sue is like oh my god is a giant spider is like yes it was uh so she's like can you go and get rid of it and gakura's like well it doesn't seem to be a bad spider and the spider's like rearing up uh and sue freaks out and shiraha rushes forward and like and literally glomps it there is literally a glomp sound effect, so she kind of like stops it by embracing it, and uh, she says like, "Oh, this is this is, this is a shikigami. Apparently, it's gonna serve us." And the character that Nui would call on sometimes is there. I like she's just kind of been there. We know nothing about her, so I haven't remembered her name. I haven't learned her name yet. Is that the same uh, person? I thought this was a different character. Maybe it is. That's the thing. It's like I know that there is a character that has shown up before, and I thought that this is the same one. I thought the I, other character was like more of like a. I hate to use this word, but I thought more of like a lully character. Like I thought she was like meant to look more like a little kid. Whereas this one, I don't know. Maybe it is. Who gives a shit? I guess. I don't yes. know why I care. So, uh, yeah, they talk about. I was like, oh yeah, the see a branch has a lot of important functions and blah 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 blah. blah. So Nui's like, hey, you guys came, cool. And and uh, Suo's like, oh, I want to know more about this. And Nui says, like, let's meet up at the pool after school to clean this guy, pointing at the spider. And Suo's like, oh, how do we have to wash the, the shikigami? No. So Nui says, well, I won't force you to do anything. What about you, Shiroha? Shiroha's like, yeah, I'll join you fascinating uh and then suo sees shiroha and gakuro talking together and she ends up joining them so i guess suo the harem plan continues yeah this this this, this was the chapter to be like don't worry i haven't forgotten about uh soa like uh she's 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 gonna be relevant uh it's a love triangle you could even say oh my god so they're all there, and Gakuro is like, are you going to be okay watching the spider you're afraid of? And she pokes him in the nose. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so uh, she immediately starts getting chased by the spider, and because they're in a pool to, to, to clean him, she, 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 she slips, and she starts to fall. And so this trained exorcist whose abilities have demonstrated that she's very agile is falling. And there are multiple other people around, including a helpful Shikigami spider guy who is there to be their helpful companion, who is literally just just needs to lift a leg up to catch her. But they're all like, Gakuro, catch her. So Gakuro catches her and literally like catches her like bridal carry style. And Suo looks up at him and is like, "Ah, you sure have grown, Yajima. Has he? Has he? Has sure. he? Sure. <laughs> Theoretically, I guess he would have had to. 
whatever. She's getting the doki dokies because because you know he he caught yeah. her bridal style. Yep. So it's great because this is like a moment that's nothing that reminds me of that really great moment from Full Metal Alchemist where Winry's like, I've never noticed he had such he has such broad shoulders, and you're like, oh right. wow, this is like a beautiful realization of your feelings after like such a de- long and like detailed relationship with one another. So it's like cool that we get like garbage like this to remind <laughs> us of great moments in, in manga history. <laughs> uh, so Suo goes off to the side to like i love that we captured this moment by the way as well where she's like come to think of it you're grown with just the generic shot of his chest like not even like something where you're like oh i can see why she would be you're just like he is wearing he is wearing a t-shirt you're right Uh, (laughs) what if you were like wearing like a logo (laughs) tee Yummy boy. <laughs> You're just like, what? what wow, is he, is a, he is a yummy boy, huh? <laughs> oh, I, I thought it meant my tummy. That's why I bought the shirt. That's, goes, that's my yummy the, boy. This goes against the honey pot. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I was too much of a yummy boy today. <laughs> Anyway, Suo uh, slipped and didn't get hurt, so she needs to go and take a break, I guess. Uh, so she goes off to the side, and this is so she and Shiroha can have a private conversation. What? Oh my god! Two female characters talking? It's about Kakuro. So... <laughs> yeah, immediately is like, do you get along with Yajima? Huh? And then she's like, Suo's like, wait, does that mean she likes... Oh, yeah. Uh, we definitely have a normal senpai-kohai relationship. What about you? Do you get along with him? And she's like, yeah, I think we get along very well. And so I was like, yeah, that's good to hear. Shiro's like, I'm leaving. Okay. And then Shiro says, you know, senpai, uh, I can read a person's emotions, you know. Bye. So, what's basically... Re- what's really interesting is uh suo uh very uniquely during this conversation had uh the exact same fucking expression in every single panel so it's a way for us readers to also pick up that she's misleading us a little bit with the way she's talking Mm. yes (laughs) yes that's what's going on yes uh so yeah, essentially they say like, look, these girls are both crushing on Gakuro and they both fucking know about the other. Okay? Okay, cool. Uh they they watch the spider Shikigami guy, and then Suo gets self conscious and is like, uh, uh and then she's like, All right, I should I, I, I feel bad being the only one who hasn't done anything here. So she jumps in and she starts spraying people with the hose and stuff, and they're like, The Shikigami has been washed, which Shikigami need to be, I guess. Uh yep. What a weird chapter. It's weird because on one hand, I feel like I shouldn't really dislike this chapter because this series is, I guess, better when it's not just trying to be like straight up like a bleach ripoff and like, hold on, we uh, talk about your captain's promotion and like what that all means. Like that was just pure garbage uh, that made me be like, if there's a goddamn whiteboard in this next chapter, I don't believe there was one. Um, There wasn't. But. It's still in this weird place where I'm like, this isn't dumb enough. Like, I hate that this series is trying and it's just not good. Um, But there is a big dopey spider that got a bath. So, like, 
Yes. I'll give it like a three out of ten. Three points for the spider. Every chapter from now on is going to be elevated by the presence of that weird spider. <laughs> and that spider's never showing up again. <laughs> Aw. He doesn't even have a name. They don't even have a name. What is their gender even? It's a spider. Gender spider. <laughs> that's that's what's on my ID. <laughs> <laughs> Two on ice. Chapter seven, roadside flower. Uh okay, Ayuma uh is doesn't know the rules of how the game competition is judged. So he's like just gotten the entire ass handbook and is like, oh, what about this? And Kisara's like, you don't need to know all of that. <laughs> Too many details. She basically just says, like, look, you're judged by essentially how difficult your performance is plus or minus how well you executed. So harder performances get the higher scores and also you need to do them well. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and uh, so... Hayama says, like, yeah, I've, I've been watching a lot of skating videos lately, and he kind of reflects that, like, you know, when I used to watch anything on TV, I would always just be like, Kisara's way better! But now I actually, like, you know, realize just how talented so many people out there are, and even skaters our age, how talented some people out there are. And it's like they're in, I thought that they were in, like, this totally different world, and I would never actually be able to get there. But now I kind of realize that, like, the scene on the path in front of me is actually starting to clear up a little bit. I'm actually going towards it and I'm actually excited about this competition. It's like, Hey, you're growing up a little. I am. Isn't that nice? You're, uh-huh. you're making progress. Uh, they split from practice for the day and the twins, each of them goes off with Hi- one with Hayuma and one with Kisara. And so we actually have like a conversation between not Natsu the other twin, I can't remember his name, uh, and Hayuma, because they're walking together, and so they talk about a bunch of stuff. And he talks about, like, look, you know, if you guys are going to pair up, then it's not like, you know, you pairing up with Kisara is going to completely just save her from the situation that she's in. You gotta think of it this way, which is that, like, like not all the people who skate together are just in it for the long term. Uh, it's fine if you, you know, you pair up together, you have good breakup. Uh, and it's also okay if you have, you know, one good breakup and you have a bunch of like bad ones, you know, that just you know, gives you experience and stuff. Uh, but he also knows that, like, yeah, me and Natsu are just like, we're going to go down together. You know, they're, they're tied together at the hip for their skating careers. It seems like, uh-huh. um, but he says like, look, don't make your goal in all of this to like save Kisara because she's still the only one you see tried taking a look at things from her vantage point and because if you don't any decision you make isn't going to be fully thought out and it's just you know it's a nice little thing is like look have some fucking perspective on the whole thing and meanwhile kisara is riding in the car with natsu and he she says like you know i kind of like regret it now because like when he was starting to figure out how to skate he looked like he was enjoying it i was just scared because of all the things that I wouldn't be able to do anymore because I'm a girl and I became a coward because of, about competing and stuff. I feel like I've actually been the one who's been learning a lot from him. And she says, the scenery I see every day looks a little brighter. So, oh, isn't that nice? They're both improving each other. Isn't that sweet? Uh, and she's like, hey, you know, I really want to do it. I, I was, I wasn't, you know, I was, when I, Whenever I first did the triple axel, I was 
just kind of thinking about the next thing ahead. I wasn't really enjoying the moment fully because everything feels like it's you know going to have diminishing returns. It's going to have limited time span on it. I was just thinking about one day I'm going to lose this. If I am able to do a side-by-side triple axle with Hayuma someday, I want to be able to enjoy that. I'm actually looking forward to that. So, hey, they're changing each other's perspectives. Uh, it, we cut ahead from there. Practice is done. Kirishima Cup. Look. It's the giraffe. <laughs> He's here. I love that guy. Uh, and uh, immediately, Hayuma is like starstruck looking around at all these scares he recognized from seeing tapes and everything like that. Uh, and also, he realized that there are people who are recognizing Kisara. And it's like, oh, yeah, you're like a celebrity here. Huh. This is what it feels like to be at a competition. Huh. Uh, Natsu reminds them, hey, we're doing we're doing this so that you guys decide whether you're going to do pairs or singles, so remember that. Go out, do your best. And uh, Kisara is the first of them to compete in the women's singles, and you know, Hayama, of course, knows like, this is going to be the first time I'm actually going to be seeing her perform in person since we started teaming up. Uh, so she starts performing to Lestrada. Kisara thinks about the very bad advice that uh, she was given, which is, oh, if only you'd been born a boy. And she's like, God damn it. <laughs> but she also thinks about, hey, after seeing I am, I remember that I actually love figure skating. So I'm going to make the view that I have right now beautiful. And she does a triple axle and she lands it successfully. And, uh, and of course, it was like, oh, my God, super cool and everything. And it's like we just get this. No, like this is going to be a big day that decides their fate together uh-huh. to remind us of that. Yeah, I mean, uh, the triple axle is pretty cool. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't know how I feel about this chapter. Nick, how do you feel? It feels like something's missing. It feels like something's been missing since the first chapter of the series, honestly. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe there'll be a big moment like during Hayuma's uh, performance that will kind of manage to evoke that like this is what it's like to have this this view there's a lot of it that's been a kind of a big thing throughout the series of like the view that you have in this world and uh maybe it'll hit home then something's not quite getting there yet uh and it's uh saddening me yeah. oh well elusive samurai <laughs> stand up for a second <laughs> we're getting there huh why are you tired? Why are you taking a break? <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 132. Sharing 1337. Look at that red and gold looking ass cover page. It looks cool and stuff. Hey, this chapter is about a competition going on between the Hojo army uh, to have the best catch slash capture slash hunt, whatever, uh, because there's a, there's treasure on the line. Uh, and immediately, uh, Tokyuki sets out with the group like, oh, yeah, you know, we Izu Hojo excel at fishing, so let's go out. Uh, but they get to the docks and they realize that the Nanbu party that they're allied with has taken most of the boats, which is that old man who speaks through an interpreter. And so they're like, hey, why'd you take all the boats? And he speaks through his interpreter and it gets, of course, really rude with them. And the interpreter just says, like, we've got way more troops in our army than you do. Of course, we're going to take the most boats. It makes the boat. It just. It that's that's all. Yeah. Done and done. Yeah, but of course, while they're while while the interpreter is saying that, he's going. <laughs> so he's being, you know, a dick. He's a jerk face. Yep. 
but she's a good point. So like, hey, you know, it's we don't have to just fish. And she says, Kodro, Sheena, you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who this guy is. She says his name and I don't know who it is. Uh, but she says, like, look, there there is a great hunting ground nearby here because uh, one wild boar is worth a hundred fish. Uh, and she's really hyped up because she's really excited about getting, you know, war funds, like she said in the last chapter. Uh, but, uh, uh, oh gosh, uh, I, 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 I think Ayako. Ayako. I blanked on her name. I was like, it starts with A and ends in O. And I was like, what is it? <laughs> uh, she just uses her war club to just smack fish out of the water sure uh, i guess look i've bomb fished in, in zelda why not so everyone um, was super cool when i did that i remember the fishing place was like you can stay around we're definitely not gonna kick you out it's fine uh genba actually does like use fucking powder grenades to knock a bunch of fish out of the water uh, but he brings to the point of like oh man it drives the surrounding fish away it's like, yes it's bad uh, Natsu says, ah, oh, the saltwater fish smells bad. I'm not going to help out. And they're like, that's just because you grew up in the mountains. Now, check out this fresh fish. And uh, she takes bite of it. And she's like, okay, it's good. Oh, sorry. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So some people are influenced by money. Some people are influenced by a good meal. It's fine. Uh, fishing is happening. Uh, Nakas, uh, Nita, the uh, child of the general that they defeated before, is helping out with Hojo's group because, and he says, "Like, look, we don't really have a lot of members, and you're also few in number, so we'll just join your party, and we'll all work together and share the prize that way." Cool. Uh, and so they bring up the point, of like, hey, he's really just trying to get along with Tokyo, even though you know he fucking led the army that killed his dad. <laughs> but we, it's established like this is a big thing in history that they were like the same age. They became allies and they ended up like getting along together because their circumstances and age were so similar. They must have taken a liking to each other, essentially. Uh, Sheena reveals that in addition to just having a giant blade on her leg, there's also a heavy flail on a cable that she can just pop out of a hatch on the side of the thing. And she can snap it with her leg and just kill a deer with it. Yeah, I, I, I love she basically <laughs> can like do a fucking like uh, slingshot using her, her fucking sword leg. And it's it's very stupid, but very satisfying as well. Yeah. Uh, so she kills a deer, looks over and also sees that Kodro has caught a boar. Uh, and she's like, oh, he should have asked for my help. And he just goes, and lifts it, gorilla presses it. Uh, and he he's doing this because he's like, my sword is twice as heavy as a normal sword, and I've got to get used to wielding it one-handed. So from now on, I'm just going to lift the heaviest objects I can find every day. <laughs> All right, you Again, do you, Ben. <laughs> it works for Zoro, man. All he does is just sit mm -hmm. on the boat and do sit-up, so, you know, get you somewhere. Yeah. Sheena looks at him and goes, I understand, Kojiro Dono. You have received a new life just as I have. I feel like your circumstances are a little different, but okay. Uh, he, he got a new sword. You had your fingers chopped off. Uh, and uh, we catch up with Shizuku a bit. Akie is 
they talk about how great a key is cool uh then we catch up with ayako and shizuku while they're like you know like preparing all the stuff that they shizuku's like preparing all the fish that they've caught uh and ayako is just kind of like reflecting on how like you know i could die like literally any time fighting in this army and when and now and because of that like my mind wanders while we're in between battles for example i wonder how shizuku feels about the young lord so she decides to you know go and ask her mm-hmm amazing i guess it's it's like an astonishing move to just be like what if we talked about it what if we communicated now i hope that this isn't ruined one page later uh she's like how do you feel about the young lord and marriage uh and she's gives like the dictionary answer like oh yes you know there would be many opportunities if depending on who Tokiyuki married you know choosing a legal wife is an important matter for me as his steward uh you know a, a strategic marriage would be crucial for the restoration of the clan and so Ayaka's like yeah what if we both became his, his concubines well it's so many words it just starts with like Oh, yes. Well, obviously, he'll need to have a strategic marriage to somebody appropriate, you know, at his standings to increase his political power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah. that's... You up? That, <laughs> but that's his... <laughs> that is what we get to. She is, like, that's his legal wife. I'm talking about his concubine, and it's like, what if we... What if we Eiffel Towered him? And she's like, well, usually an Eiffel Tower is two men <laughs> and one... Also... Also, follow-up question: What is the Eiffel Tower? <laughs> She's like, I don't. Uh, we have no context for what that means. <laughs> I mean, like a cute image because, like, she's embarrassed about it. So she's, you know, cleaning fish, and she like yeah, freaks out and sh- sends one's head flying. But just again, it's like y'all are like thirteen, and you're talking about this twelve-year-old that you both like on in very like. Sexual room term. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. It, it's, man, I hope we would spend more time with Ayako and Shizuku Monkey Pop. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Huh. Okay. Uh, we gotta just wrap uh, it up. You have one more you gotta do, uh, Nick. It's a kind of uh, chapter story 85 by plan. Ah, so we are told that there is like this political struggle going on in 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 the world of Rakugo. It's been alluded to really, and there's been like brief mentions of the sides in it. And now we're just giving like a straight up like, look, there are the traditionalists who are the Rakugo Federation, and there is the Arakawa school Isho and three of the four pillars are all trying to change the methods of rank promotion mm. promote and, and all these other things and then there's Shigama people like him are in the middle they're moderates uh but our journalist friend is the one who is recapping all this because he's like the major figures of the people on both sides haven't met in person for the last seven eight years which is ridiculous uh, of course, that is around the time that, uh, you know, Kane's dad got the boot. So, hmm. Uh, but this has all been broken because Chocho wants to talk to, to uh, 
uh, Tyson, and uh, Tyson has just gone into his dressing room, locked the door, and George is like, I want to talk! You let me come on! Uh, eventually, Ty just uh, knocks on the door and apparently indicates, like, I don't want to fucking talk to you, even though, but he doesn't say it. And George is like, talk to me! Talk! Use your mouth and tongue and teeth! Uh, but he's eventually Chocho is just like, look, I met Shinoji's girl the other day. He's referring to Akane in that moment. And Tai opens the door finally. And Chocho's like, yeah, tell me. You still think that Shinoji's expulsion was your fault? It's interesting. Uh, There's a lot going on here. Like from the start of finding out that Chocho is considered a traditionalist, which yeah. I can't see. But then like, oh, this character has a connection with Akame's dad and and blames himself for what happened. So it's like, ooh, I wonder why. Intrigue, new stuff, curiosity abounds. Also, it's funny that we have that question and then we cut to another scene where Karashi says, yes, that's exactly what I think. It's like, ah, it's cute. I see what you did there uh-huh. answering the previous question. Nah, 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 nah. Uh, so Karashi says... <laughs> says like look Asago this this was not a plan <laughs> to promote the event just sending out flyers that was it uh, but Kai's like hey but we got a good response this time people the the four people who were here laughed and had a good time so if people listen to the performances they'll realize what a good event this is and uh, Karashi looks at her and doesn't like look down on her but you can tell he's just like you're wrong uh (laughs) (laughs) he says look i know you said it's against the rules to promote a zenza event but can we not talk about this on social media because like my master might let us get away with it you know or asagao says it's like well we you know church might let us get away with it but also i've gotten in trouble because of the aforementioned dispute that he's had as a zenza from way back when uh and so he's like i can't make him look bad so mm-hmm. no, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. Uh, so he says, like, look, it is possible. Christ is like, all right, so it's possible, but you prefer not to. Okay, this, but the strategy of just like us talking to our friends and family and have, asking them to come and telling their friends to come that's that's not going to work. They're not repeat viewers. And Christ is like, well, they'll they'll come back because they like they like the performance. And Christ is like, no, 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 no. The rule entertainment is. What seems good sells better than what is good. This is fascinating. <laughs> I, I've never, I never thought about it in these terms before, but the way he says it's like, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it's like, look, we know the quality of our work is good, but we need to think about what will get people, new people to watch us. And uh, afterwards, like, you know, Akane's going home. She's like, I don't I didn't have an answer for him at the moment. And after a while, he kept on bringing up like analytics and marketing terms. And it's just like <laughs> Akarashi's having a separate conversation from the other two, essentially. Yes. Uh, but she thinks about like, OK, look, all of my Ani-sons have held their own shows. So to be a Rakugoka, you've got to have like skills as an event promoter, too. But like, what am I supposed to do right now? And then she thinks about something that Shigama told her. Hey, don't be such a baby. Be empty-headed. 
tighten the loincloth of your heart. And Hakai's like, empty my head. Be more stupid. That is a way to interpret that, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's been now two weeks since the first study event, uh, which is like halfway through the time that they have to work with. Uh, and Akane has been secretly working on something. We see like some of her text conversation with Asagao and Karashi. And I like how she uses the emojis and they're just like, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, so they're like, all right. So Karashi says, like, look, don't get your hopes up. I'm sure it's a stupid plan. <laughs> he says infantile, which might be even ruder, but he's but uh, then he's like, I already have several plans in place. So I'm just gonna ignore her idea. <laughs> we'll go with my But they come into the backstage area and Akane is wearing a big plushy costume. She is dressed up as a Tanuki. <laughs> uh big old mascot costume. Yes. Uh and they're like, what are you, what is that? And she's like, what does it look like? <laughs> I thought this was pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> she introduces herself as Tanugan the Tanuki. And she's like, look, there's one animal that shows up a bunch in Rakugo. It's the Tanuki. So I got my friends to help me make this suit. And I do like that we just occasionally get reminders of like, Connie's got friends from high school who are not part of the Rakugo world and don't show up regularly, but she's got them. Yes. She has a life outside of the world of Rakugo and friends that she can call on. Absolutely. Need some help. Uh, so Asuka was like, yeah, but why did you make the costume? And the guy's like, doves, if you want to draw an audience, you need Kigurumi suits. <laughs> I don't know. Goes, Again, guys, pretty sure on. this is rather self-explanatory. So... Uh, I was like at a loss, and Karashi's like, I mean, I didn't think that this would be this infantile, but now that she's taken it this far, maybe it'll work. <laughs> so, and Akai's like, yeah, got costumes for you guys, too. Go ahead, get changed. I like how the woman who uh, uh, is running the place is taking pictures of them, because, like, of course you would. Like, this is, like, such a, a spectacle. And, uh, yeah, Asagao is a tanuki. Karashi is a fox. Asagao is a horse, uh, which is part is by design because the muzzle of the horse contains his his pompadour. Uh, and Karashi is like going along with it. They're doing the a pose. Akai is like, this is my plan. Rakugo Zoo. And then Karashi is like, what am I doing? He's <laughs> like, no, no, I'm a fox now. Uh, and he looks over and sees that, like, fucking meanwhile, Hikaru got to go and participate in this big, cool event about, like, oh, the future of Rakugo, uh, uh, Arakawa New Breeze is, is coming through. And, uh, yeah, we cut over to just see, like, part of what they're getting up to uh, in this four-person event that Akane missed out on because Hikaru beat her in the competition. Uh, and we get more some more reflection from Ikaru because, like, hey, she achieved her goal. She defeated Akane, which was the entire reason she was sticking with Rakugo at all. But then afterwards, you know, she's like, look, I'm just here because they want to draw an audience, but that doesn't mean anything to me. I'm just going to rise to the challenge. So it's one of those kind of, like, eternal rival things of, like, Akane just wants to, like, have a cool Rakugo buddy. And Hikaru's like, that sounds like fighting words to me. Challenge accepted. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see that four-person event. Uh, I don't know how this idea at the event is going to go with the, the animal costumes. It sounds like we're bouncing around between a lot of different things, but more or less this is fine. This felt much more like a like a transitional chapter of Akane Banashi, but, you know, important to still get these. Yeah, this isn't even Akane's final form, though, guys. So, no. Uh... Tonuton um, has so many more levels to go through. We haven't even gotten to like Shadow Tonuton or uh, <laughs> Golden Ecstasy Tonuton. There's there's gonna be a lot of cool stuff coming up in the the, the future. Gigantamax Tonuton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dark type Tonuton, which is different from Shadow type Tonuton. To be very clear. <laughs> um, Nick, let us wrap this up. Oh with my one gosh. piece. <laughs> Chapter 1097, Ginny. We get a cool cover page of Kuma catching fish. It's very nice uh, and also fitting to this chapter. So it we- kind of, I know that he's using his push ability to, to just like, you know, teleport them into catching them. But it kind of looks like he's just smacking fish. Yeah, he's just water. missing it. <laughs> I also like the idea he uses his power to teleport fish to them to they catch but uh so we are still in the flashback nick but we have jumped forward a little bit and in fact we'll jump forward quite a lot in this chapter mm-hmm. we are starting at 30 years ago uh kuma who is a teenager at this point is uh the pastor at his church and in particular on sunday the elderly people who live in the village next to his uh come by and he removes their pain for me uses his pawpaw yeah. fruit to push all of their pain out of them and that gives them youth and vigor and they note that like we really need this because like we have this like the the heavenly gift we have to provide. It's very very mm-hmm. difficult. So thank you for this. Uh, that's when Ginny shows up and because uh, they were like, oh, could you do this every day? And she's like, no, absolutely not. You guys are asking for a lot for people who aren't paying any money. Uh, and they joke that she's Ginny the cheapskate. We see her. She's twenty one. Uh, I, she has not bought new shorts in the entire time no. between these time skips. <laughs> I, I would say I do not think this character has an issue with Nami face. She has an issue with Nami personality, but that's a good thing to have. More characters should be like Nami in terms yes. of greed. Uh, but this d- 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 design, uh, F tier. This is this is a bad costume <laughs> design. I, I truly, this is some lazy shit. What if I had a tank top and a tiny pair of shorts? Oda, do better. He does better at the end of the chapter. All right. <laughs> I'll put the word sister on her tank top. <laughs> you got it. Notes taken. <laughs> I hear you loud and clear. Um, so uh, there's a little joke. Uh, some of the elders are like, oh, Ginny's just doing this because she's sweet on uh, Kuma. And he's just like, oh, that's very nice of you to say. <laughs> How dare you all tell the truth? <laughs> Uh, but they note that the celestial tribute is harder to get, or the heavenly tribute, because of the new King Bakori, who is a cruel man with a heart of stone. Uh, and they can't be sick, because then they can't make their payment. And if they can't make mm. their payment, they go to jail. And while you're in jail, you can get killed. Like, you just die, probably, because he doesn't feed the people who are in prison. There's a scene that I don't quite get. I thought it was King Bakori eavesdropping on them, and like doing like the oh shucks thing as they're like clearly talking ill of him and he just takes it as compliments because he's like an evil dick bag but i truly 
don't know if that's the implication we're going for or anything like that. Is it? Okay, apparently it is. I didn't get it, and I thought he would have reacted harshly to this to, to all these uh, condemnations, but it takes years before he really does anything. Um, so all the old people, all the elderly leave, and Kuma waves goodbye, and then he closes the door of the church, and we see a big, giant paw bubble, similar to the mm-hmm. one with Zoro and Luffy at the end of Thriller Bark. And Kuma inhales before jumping into the bubble, and we see that he is just writhing in pain. We see Ginny kind of on the ground with her head in her knees, just kind of like stomaching it. And then once it's over, she's crying. And she just notes that he does this every week. He takes mm-hmm. on the pain of all these people. And Kuma says he has no choice. That mass of pain and suffering won't disappear until somebody accepts it. And if you didn't do anything with it, then it just goes back to the original person. And he's fine yeah. with it. He's fine with all this pain because he is delighted to see their happiness. You're like, God, fuck, I hate this dude. I hate this. It's just going to destroy me. It's already destroying me because I know how things go. But there's just going to be yeah. more details like this that make it harder for me to stomach that this guy doesn't get like a happy ending. Mm. Uh, the, the happy side of it is they got some food, though, from the elderly people. Cut forward a couple more years, like five more years. Uh, we open with Ginny being like, let's get married. And he's like, what? No. Uh, and she's like, why not? You you love me. I know you do. I'm going to make you happy. And again, fucking heartbreaking. Kuma's like, I'm sure you would. But then he remembers his father pleading when they were arrested. Like, no, I'm the one who has buccaneer blood. Don't, you know, don't enslave my daughter or my wife and, and son as well. And Kuma just thinks, I don't want to bring you misery by connecting us like that yeah, he doesn't even talk to her about it yeah he immediately changes the subject by asking like oh hey uh, check out this newspaper about the freedom fighters that's really cool and their leader dragon he's so awesome one day i want to go out to see and use my life to help others as well cut forward like another three years we're gonna say we, we jump around a lot in this chapter yeah. uh and a disaster has struck uh, all the elderly people are being uh, taken prisoner and Kuma is like intervenes like what is what are you doing what do you stop what you're doing uh, and one of the people that's arresting these elderly people is is saying like you don't understand father the laws have changed in this country we could do whatever we want now with people from the south and Kuma's like you're gonna turn them into slaves that is an unforgivable sin and he you know, uses his powers to kind of blow them all away and start something and we cut over to king bakori who's talking to an advisor who's like hey um i don't think you're like new enslaving the people in the south policy is like super popular especially people in the south and he just says like don't worry about it in time i will teach everybody to be prejudiced to everybody in the south that'll happen and everyone shall learn to accept that my incredibly arbitrary (laughs) prejudice is actually just the way things are supposed to be because Humans are naturally hateful creatures. <laughs> he explains that starting today, only the north side of the island is actually Sher- uh, Sherbert Kingdom, and that the royal government decides how much heavenly tribute is owned is owed by citizen numbers. So if they cut out all the dead weight of the elderly who can't pay the tribute, then everybody in the north prospers. So One Piece famously 
an apolitical manga right now, especially in our current climates. Um, We cut over to prison where Kuma has been arrested along with Ginny and a couple other uh, members of their group. And Kuma's like, why are you guys in here? And they're like, because we clamored for them to let you go. So they beat us all to a pulp and threw us in here too. And uh, uh, Kuma gets radicalized. (laughs) He's like, this (laughs) is like, very quickly and understandably in like a heartbeat he's like these motherfuckers like this is this is seriously like uh, taking everything away this has become a land of the haves and haves not have nots and if we want to fight back it it feels like we're gonna have to take on the whole government at that point this isn't just this isn't just a bad king it's all the people in charge of the entire world are responsible for this there's an explosion at that point, and who should intervene on our, our group that's being held prisoner? But Ivankov and Dragon. Uh, there's a little bit of an interaction where, like, Ginny's like, oh my gosh, is that you, bro? And Ivankov is like, listen up, Kuma, if you're still the same man as that boy back then, come with us and change the world. And we get sort of a quarter, two-page spread. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. We get a big spread of the Revolutionary Army, Dragon in the front, and Ivan Kov and Kuma, and I think some of these might be other members as well. That looks like that's, uh, I think Betty is her name, and to her left might be Karasu. It's kind of tough. It might be Karasu. It might be. It's it's a little tough to tell, but Ginny's also like, I'm going to come too, but the narration is like, yes, these were the Freedom Fighters, uh, but after this great era of piracy and are the arrival of the great era of piracy and then the fall of uhara this group took arms and with kuma in addition to their other pillars of ivankov and dragon they underwent to a transformation and they became the revolutionary army Ooh. um there's a bit of discussion that goes on i think the most notable thing that comes from it is that uh kuma asks like hey how do you know how to use weapons, Dragon? Yeah. Dragon says, I spent time in the Navy, but I couldn't find any justice they wear on their backs. So, Which makes sense and also connects a lot with, you know, Garp yes. wanted Luffy in the Navy. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't need, you don't need all the details right now because it's like, yeah, that, that all tracks. <laughs> I, I, I am definitely subscribing more to the theory that Garp or dragon is goes with garp to god valley and when that whole incident happens is when he kind of becomes radicalized uh because it would start to like add things up a little bit date wise but um yeah he's basically just like uh i i fuck them (laughs) the navy sucks there's like a joke that's like it's strange to be on the uh, like at odds with the navy when we also just want to help people uh but kuma's like well anyways (laughs) I'm with you all the way, Dragon. Uh, and more time has passed. Eight we years. skip Bonnie's birth. Like, <laughs> well, Nick, I maybe, think maybe <laughs> let's let's put a pin in that for a quick second. So I think we do because I'm pretty sure that she's well in the present, Nick? not fourteen, Nick. <laughs> Put a pin in that for right now. <laughs> so, 
We're now 14 years ago in a certain uh, country, and we see Ginny, and she has a cool design now. They gave her an yeah. outfit that actually looks interesting. She has this chicken bone hanging out of her mouth. It's very. I love very her hair cool. too. It's like because mm-hmm. it was just like hanging down, and now it's it's like little tails instead. Yeah. So. They say, wow, you look really happy, Ginny. And she's like, oh, is it showing? Tomorrow's the big day. We're going to meet up with Kuma's group, remember? I can't wait. Uh, and uh, a bunch of the other people are like, oh, it must be so cool to be Kuma to have her affection or whatever. Uh, but the figure approaches. We don't see who it is, just like a shadow of some feet. And then we end the chapter, cutting away to the Revolutionary Army headquarters in Baltigo, where someone calls Dragon and says, Dragon, Ginny's been captured. So that's the way the chapter ends. Nick, let's address what you just talked about. The elephant in the room. Yes. (laughs) The elephant in the room. So, yeah, it is strange. We're like, oh, if if Ginny is Bonnie's mom, then, uh, yeah, when when do they have Bonnie? Because, you know, I don't know if we have an exact age for Bonnie. She literally has a fruit to manipulate her age and the ages of others. So how old is she possibly? Um. I think we're going to get a, that answer somewhat soon. Um, but it is curious because, yes, if she was like kind of like a young adult, like I think a lot of us imagined uh, Bonnie is, um, she should be born by now if she's Ginny's daughter. Right. Or at least present if Kuma is like her you know, father to some degree. Right. Like, it seems like she should be in that point. So that is a curious note. I imagine... You will be hearing about that uh, soon, hopefully. Uh, but more interesting to me, uh, I'm very curious who this person is that's coming in. Uh, I'm really uh, going to be heartbroken if I've come to like Ginny this much in the next chapter. She uh, gets exploded. But I mean, this is one piece in a flashback. So I, I know my heart is going to be shattered at some point. If it turns out that Bonnie is because this is 14 years ago, if it turns out that she's only just now like 13 and then you consider how long Kuma has been in the control of the Navy. It's like, oh, uh, so, <laughs> so she's like, what, 11? <laughs> He's been that way since she was like four. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, Nick, there's a lot of uncomfortable implications that might come about. <laughs> at the idea Oh, man. Character but that would age. mean that a One Piece character has a tragic backstory, Quinn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think we're going to have to wait to see where all those details play out. Uh, but this chapter I thought was cool. It's always nice getting to see Dragon, this character who has mm. been present in One Piece since like chapter 100. Uh, also, like, we also we get a lot of pre-tattoo Dragon in yeah. this chapter. Yeah, somewhere in those eight years, he was like, I'm going to get a tattoo you know what it, on, his, on my face. Is it going to like symbolize the revolution? Nah, just so really cool. Yeah. It, it, it looks radical is what it means <laughs> um but uh yeah this is uh, another chapter that makes you feel uh very uh empathetically towards kuma uh i do love how very quickly he has radicalized he has one instance of like holy shit this world is uh i should say one instance he was literally kept as a slave until he was like nine years right. old so he has quite a lot of reason but all i needed was one moment of seeing it again before he's like all right fuck this i'm gonna become a no, fighter for truth and justice like i fuck right. this shit so there can be there can be no living a life of peace when there is this much injustice yes. in the world yeah. so very, very sweet. It hurts seeing that he like also takes on the pain of people. It's <sighs> like a literal saint. Like yeah. crazy. 
Uh, I um, did really enjoy this chapter. Yes. Uh, as heartbreaking as a lot of the implications of it are. Uh, I will say, to just kind of wrap things up, and maybe we didn't skip Bonnie's birth, uh, depending on how things go, but we definitely skipped Luffy's, and that is kind of amusing <laughs> to me. <laughs> yes, if you, were, if you were waiting for the secret twist that Dragon is actually not his father, uh, then uh, I think you're, you're maybe out of luck at this point. Yeah, I do like that we have, I mean, it was a bit weird because, of course, you know, like a couple of weeks ago, we had the moment of like, oh, we're going to see this big historical event. No, because that's not important to Kuma's story. All this other stuff is, and there's all this stuff, like there's stuff going on, like just over there that we're not seeing because it's like, no, this is about Kuma and by extension about Bonnie. Uh, so we will find out more uh, about this next week and find out if Ginny's actually alive at the end of it, I guess. <laughs> 100% definitely not going to be alive. Oh, uh, all right, Nick, that is it for Weekly Manga Recap. So I think the only thing left for us to really do is name our favorite chapter and favorite character of the week. Um, yeah. I am going to say, I think, I guess strongest is that this was not a week with like a ton of highs. A lot of stuff was kind of mm-hmm. like middling to like just not a thing for me. Uh, but I do think Undead Unluck set up something cool ended with a cool moment and had something that made me say like all right this is this is dope i like this so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with that yeah i'm i'm with you on the there's not a lot of big stuff to take note of i am going to actually double dip and say i think that one piece is my chapter of the week and kuma is my character of the week gotcha um i i will agree with you i think on kuma i'm gonna i'm gonna say kuma is my character of the week very, very heartbreaking. The audience, by the way, agreed. Undead Unluck, Chapter of the Week, Kuma, Character of the Week. So, good stuff. A lot of votes all over the place as well. It's mm, nice. All right, y'all. That's going to do it for Weekly Manga Recap. We want to thank you for joining us for the live recording here on twitch.tv slash which we do starting usually around 7.30 Eastern time in the evening on Wednesdays. You can also check out our past episodes, weeklymagarecap.popbean.com, iTunes, Spotify, other podcasty type places where you can listen to the audio version. The video version is posted over on youtube.com slash weeklymagarecap. The video version sometimes features thumbnails done by Steve Mann, whose artwork you can check out by just searching generally anywhere for Steve Mann art. Uh, and also the opening sequence is done by Malajak Stilitz and Wensleydale Cheddar. Thank you for making that, guys. Yes. The... Patreon for Weekly Manga Recap is patreon.com slash weekly manga recap. Do some monetary support for us, which we very much appreciate, and you get access to bonus content. We do a supporter-only bonus episode each month, uh, which where we usually get very silly. You think we're silly here? We do. <laughs> but also there. <laughs> Uh, and also make sure that uh, you join the Weekly Manga Recap Discord server. It will be linked wherever this gets posted. You can join in order to participate on stuff related to the show, discuss chapters as the new uh, manga get released, discuss the manga we're planning on doing a full recap of whenever that happens. Uh, and uh, also just like we've got a great community on our Discord server. Cool people who are nice. Yes. Very, very cool people. Our Discord is super awesome. I highly recommend you join it. Every so often, a uh, new person will come in and be like, hey, long time lurker, but just trying to chat. And uh, I, all of them seem to stick around. Everyone seems to really Ooh. dig it. So 
I uh, highly recommend it. WMR Discord, super chill community. Good vibes. And also our Google um, Doc. Except the VTuber channel. I I don't know what goes on in there. Don't go in there. I cannot recommend I'm not vouching it. for that yet. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> vouching for that channel at all. Ninja X3AI maintains the uh, Google Doc that has all sorts of weekly manga recap, like history and statistics and stuff on it, including past series that we have done as recommendations. And also a big old list of stuff that uh, we might we are considering for future recommendations. Add your own uh, in there if there's a series you would like to hear us talk about. And I think that is going to do it for the show this week. Thank you all for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. What a good time. Nick, you know what they say. At the I end don't. Of, at the end of the day, it's nighttime. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that. Yep. I think you're lying. Nope, they do. Everyone who's anyone has said it. I've never said it. Does it? Does that mean I have no one? Oh, Nick, you only have a couple minutes after you have this realization to say it. <laughs> Otherwise, you fade from existence. Oh, he's leaving. He's disappearing. <laughs> no, he's coming out of frame slowly but surely. His shoulder's still there, but you get the gist. <laughs> the bit still works. <laughs>